What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face, episode 312 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. The only podcast you will find where the hosts have almost 50 years of gaming industry experience alongside me. The man who adds to that total, Matt Kyle. What's going on, Matt? Not much. Just wondering how we're going to do shows for the rest of 2022. <laughs> A little bit. When Saints Row? Is that... It's this this next month. Week? Yeah. Next month. This yeah. month, but yeah. not next week. It kind of is. Like I'm working on getting review code of it right now. Mm. Um, I've also been working on getting review code of Roller Drome, um, which I got review code What's for that. What's this trend? What do you say? The roller skate. Shit. Yeah, like, yeah. I is... think this game's kind of cool though. It's remember it's like the roller skating third person yeah. shooter. Um, it's just weird that that is suddenly popped up with roller roller skates as a thing it is a little weird in games again yeah as it turns out i got the review code this morning so it was too late for me to um play it to talk to you guys about it today so it will be in next week's episode um but matt we got another delay this week hogwarts legacy has now been delayed out of the year Mm -hmm. but not out of the fiscal year it's still coming. I, it will not go past March, I'm sure. What the hell? I mean, this thing was barely limping along to begin with. We knew that. It was not ready. Ugh. Gotham Knights doesn't have a lot of disaster. excuses because it's been so long. But this, I mean, this was like, even when they announced this was coming in September last year, I was like, really? Yeah. Like that? You haven't even shown gameplay really yet. Like it was... Yeah, they were they were jumping the gun, and I think they're I think releasing it you know by March next year is still jumping the gun because it's February twenty second or something or eighteenth mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's they're they're probably this thing's gonna launch pretty broken, I think, no matter what they do, because I don't think they can push it out of this year, out of this f- fiscal year. What a disaster this year is, Matt! A complete, unmitigated disaster. Yeah, I don't mind it. We have, I, I mean, it's crazy. Were the games that we've been talking about on Game Face, we never would have talked about in the past. I mean, we probably wouldn't have talked about, um, I can't remember the name of it anymore. Exactly. Giant, <laughs> giant monster game with the something apocalypse. Oh, Gigapocalypse. Gigapocalypse. That never would have been in Game Face in a normal year. No. Well, there's been at least 10 games that we've covered this year that normally would never be in Game Face. At least 10. And there's one or two in this episode where we're mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Like, I'll say this. We're covering the hell out of indie games like we never have before. That's for sure. We are talking about showing off smaller games unlike this show has never done. So we're gonna, I'm gonna actually t- mention this later on in yeah. another topic. Like yeah. this has been a great year for the little guy because all the big guys are just getting out of the way. Yeah, you're welcome, Ravenous Devils. I mean, seriously, like if you had a smaller game this year. I probably would have brought that up anyway though. That's what? The, the Ravenous Devils game where you you know, where you're the ta- the Taylor restaurant where you're killing people. Oh and yeah, serving well that them. game was just cool and unique. Like yeah. I like showcasing games like that, and we you're right, we normally probably would, but honestly, a lot of the stuff that we are showcasing on Game Face would never sniff an episode of Game Face in other years. It just wouldn't. So, holy moly! Like now, what is left? God of War. God of War. Pokemon. Saints Row. Pokemon. Maybe Callisto Protocol. Callisto Protocol. That's about. Go- that's the Gotham, next one. Gotham Knights is. Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights is AAA. I don't think it's gonna be very good. <laughs> Madden is coming out here in the yeah. next week. 
There's something else in September, in there. Uh, maybe there's like one or two games per month. Mario Rabbids. Yep. Um, Midnight Suns went went to next year. Yep. It's crazy. It's Bayonetta is in yeah. October. Um, Splatoon is in September. That's what I was. That's what I was. I feel like there's something else in September. Maybe it moved though. Yeah. It's um. <laughs> it's really insane. I've never had to deal with this. I've, in all my years working in this industry, as I said, when we started the show, Matt and I, between the two of us, I think we legitimately have like 46 years or something experience working in games editorial. Never seen anything like this. Never had to work this hard to put shows together week in and week out. Um, again, there are some positives to it. We are featuring smaller games that have some some pretty cool ideas, a lot more than we have in the past. I am also playing games with unique ideas for the most part. A lot more than I have in the past. So there's good parts of it, but for your purposes, like I saw someone went into the comments for last week's episode of Game Face, and I'm not gonna call people out by name or whatever, but basically he was saying, you know, you're saying there's no games, but there are tons. There are all these indie games that you can cover. Yeah, of course, but like our users don't care about all those indie games. Like we we don't make this show for like our own edification we make it for you guys so you guys know how to spend your money and if we can entertain you guys along the way that's great too so you know i just replied i'm like oh sure of course there are games coming out like i'm being facetious when i say there are no games there's always going to be games coming out but i could tack on to the end of that sentence that peep that most people actually give a crap about and unfortunately that's just where we're at so Doing the best we can. I do think somehow we've managed to put together decent shows all along. But, um, yeah, it just doesn't have that big, like, our views on YouTube are down. Because people will look at our show on YouTube and they'll see, like, the three games that we feature in the title. And if they don't catch their eye right away, they they keep going. So, it's, uh, we're dealing with it. Everyone else is dealing with it, too. Like, I'm not saying this is a unique problem for us. The uh, Last of Us is in uh, September. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's not a huge thing for... But I mean, what are we going to say about that? Yep, looks prettier. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, we we have spent an hour on less. <laughs> that is a good point. We have. Um, so anyway, um, here there's we also are. a Vertigo game coming out. That Vertigo. Month. I, Alfred Hitchcock. Vertigo. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, that game's not looking so good though. I wouldn't think so. But it's I'm got still a very gonna, small budget. Still going to play it. Yeah, and then, I probably. And then the Valkyrie, the Valkyrie profile remake, which I'm excited about because I like. But that again, like profile. in a normal year, I probably would not play the Vertigo right. game. But, but uh, I will this year. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. New Prince of Tennis Daily Life game. Come on. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so here we are for episode 312 of Game Face on Bunny Sifted Park. Games. Are you kidding? September's packed. Bunny Park. Bunny Park. Mm. It doesn't even have an entry. I can't wait to do dossier. That's Lemon Cake. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Beyond the Edge of Owl's Guard. That's probably quality, right? Yeah, of course it is. See, Let's Matt, there's it. plenty of games coming out for us to cover. Yeah. I don't know what we're talking about. We're know. insane. Little Witch Nobeta. <laughs> Labyrinth of Zengetsu. This is all the big stuff. Yeah, yeah. So anyway... That's what we're dealing with here. Somehow, I think the shows are still pretty good. We're doing our best, that's for sure. A couple other things before we get going with the episode proper. Um, Matt, I had my first viral tweet this week. Did you see that? No. <laughs> you didn't see what happened? So I was like just roaming Twitter, and I came across this video of people dancing to ringtones. Mm. And I thought it was brilliant and really clever and really funny and everything that I love about internet video, in all honesty. So I just tweeted it out on my uh, my personal account. Didn't even think anything of it. Like, I tweet videos like that all the time. Like, I'll just find a cool video that I like and I'll tweet it. Usually, 
they'll get like a hundred likes and you know maybe two retweets and like a few comments or whatever but this one exploded completely exploded i don't Man. know if like i was one of the first people Seventy-one thousand. yeah i don't know if i was one of the first people that had like that found the video that had a, enough of a following that it could like blow up i don't know but i tweeted that video and it just went insane i've <laughs> The only other time I can relate to something like that is the day I left game trailers and the day that I announced Sifted. That's it. The rest of my life, I've never had tweets like that. And I had to do the same thing with this one that I had to do in the other two, and, and regrettably, it, which was just turn off notifications. Because when something like that happens, Matt, it is insane. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I had my Apple Watch on, I was going for a ride, and my watch buzzed the entire ride. <laughs> Literally just and I looked at my watch and it's just notification, just ding 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 ding, just going off. It I it's if you've never had to deal with something like that, it's not great, just to be perfectly honest with you. And then inevitably somebody got mad that I hadn't given credit to the people who made it. I had tried to once it started going bananas. I tried to find who made it. I couldn't find it. I kept Googling, like, dancing to ringtones, ringtone dance. Couldn't find the people that made it. And I was like, I'm not spending my whole damn day trying to drag out the people who actually made this thing. And then, of course, people got mad because, oh, mm -hmm. you're taking bottom You're not giving credit to... I'm just like, I don't care. Well, as, though there's any, as though there's anything to get from that. <laughs> well, what am I getting yeah, from it? What are they getting from Like, well, I know. Well, I mean, look, if that's what you do as a living and you're trying to build an audience and have them watch, go to join your TikTok or whatever the hell people do these days. Well, then when you see that happen, go say, hey, that's me. Yeah. they never, Those people never reached out to me. Or obviously, I would have immediately said, it's these people. Finally, somebody just replied, like, these are the people that made it. Here's their Instagram account. And then I said, hey, these are the people that made it. Follow them on Instagram for more fun dance videos or whatever. And that tweet got like 400 likes. It just got, like, no, yeah, people just like kind of ignored it, honestly. That and then so that's when somebody jumped in. It's like, oh, it took you a day and a half. I'm like, screw you. Like, I just posted a fun video. That's all I did. I found a video that I liked and I tweeted it. I don't, I'm like, I don't care enough about Twitter. I literally tweet like once a week. As soon as I, mean, I wrote, a, wrote back to the guy, I'm I like, mean, bro, people who are on Twitter I don't who are care about this. People on Twitter, are, a lot of people on Twitter are just there to be mad at things. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I don't care. You take this way too seriously. Like, I shared a cool video with my go on, followers. You can go on, like they say, you can go on Twitter and just talk about how much you love waffles. And you get somebody in there talking about how, why are you hating on pancakes? Yeah, it's really like, bizarre. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. So anyway, that was a... This oh, week I saw someone claim that cooking things for yourself at home is um, NIMBY supporting and ableist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because ideally everyone who's good at cooking would just cook for the whole community. I'm like, I I realize you're dedicated to the, 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 you know, the communism thing, but like, I can't even imagine how much you'd have to up, upend human society to make that happen. Like, just let people make an omelet. Like, Can I just say how messed up and insane the world is? I mean, it's always been like that. No. We just didn't hear about it as no. much. No, it is. Well, we had we've had Twitter and social media for years now, and that was this was always there. It was always. No, I'm not talking about there. this specific, like people being douchebags on social media. I'm just saying in general, the world is insane. I do not agree with that. 
Really? I mean, I do agree. It's insane, but I don't think it's any more insane than it's ever been. I think we just hear about all the insanity. Uh, right now. I'm not just talking about social media. I'm talking about politically and all the other. Yeah, stuff me too. That's but all, a lot of that political stuff, you'd never hear about it in the old days because you wouldn't hear about what was happening in Finland or whatever. You know, like around the world was not reported the same way. Like you hear about the, the weird stuff constantly. But now. Matt, we never had a point where like almost 40 percent of like our country was living in an alternate reality. We Literally kinda, living we, in another reality where they have made up their own set of facts. We kind of did, though. It was called, eight, called 1860. We had a war about it. Okay. They believed it was okay to own human beings. Okay, I wasn't alive then, Matt. you got to give me a little leeway here. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in my days of being alive, I have never seen it. It's insane. I mean, a whole lot of them believe trickle-down economics was real. That's... I can get that, though. <laughs> like, that's, like, something that's hard to prove. You have to actually... Like, there's just blatant, like... One reality and another reality. Yeah, to me, that's called religion. <laughs> so It's insane. So anyway, um, it's that a was short a learning hop. experience for it's me. It's a short hop. And I hope opinion. I never have another viral tweet ever again. That's the crazy part about it. This guy who's oh, coming after fun. me is like, oh, you love this. I'm like, I really don't. I don't love it at all. Like, I love the people who follow me, and I want to share stuff with them that uplifts their heart and puts a little kick in their step for their day, maybe. I don't care about all these other people. The funny part was, through all of that, I think I gained 30 followers. <laughs> through mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah, it never benefits you. Yeah, it does. nobody followed me. I don't care because what's going to happen is the next day I'll tweet about something video game related and all those people that follows me are just going to unfollow me because they're going to be like, oh, I didn't realize this dude who posted that cool video is a hardcore gamer. Like, mm -hmm. the whole thing's absurd. So anyway... Learning experience for me, I have no interest in being a social media star. Like, I don't know how these people deal with it. They well, just, they have notifications off. I that's did. I turned them off eventually. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the key. They just never, ever look at their social media, I guess. I mean, well, how would you? Yeah. It's like just, just overwhelming, I guess. It's nuts. It really is crazy. But I got a little taste of it and just enough to tell me I want nothing to do with it. Um, one other final note before we get going. Um, fantasy football is coming up. And I'm scheduling like all my money drafts now with all my friends in Philadelphia and all the other places I've started leagues. But I do have a little bit of bad news. I do not think we're going to do the Sifted Fantasy Football League this year. And hear me out before you freak out. Um, in all honesty, last year, the league turned into a complete and utter disaster. There were like three or four people who just quit. And that just ruins the league for everybody else. Because what happens is... When you play those people, you get free wins. And some people will play those people twice. Some people will only play them once. In this league, it's 12 owners. Sometimes the people never got to play the person who didn't. It just became completely unfair. And I don't want to be the jerk that's like tracking people down and telling people to start their teams all the time. Like this is supposed to be fun. Um, and so I just don't think we're going to do it this year. If some of you guys come to me and you're really adamant about it, then maybe I'll reconsider it. But last year's league just turned into a disaster. Um, and I don't want to get to the point where I'm like the bad guy commish who's like telling people they're ruining the league and all this stuff. Like it was just supposed to be for fun, but it's not fun if the competitive part of it is just all thrown out of whack. So I don't think I'm going to do the league this year. If there's enough of you guys who have been in the league who are really upset about that, Send me a message on Sifted or send me a DM on Twitter or whatever, and maybe I'll re reconsider. But as of right now, I don't think we're going to do it. Um, so just a heads up. Again, there's there were 12 people in the league last year. If any of you guys really feel strongly about it, reach out to me about it, and uh, maybe I'll take another look at it. But as of right now, I think we're just going to put it on ice. Um, 
we had lost people who had been in it for like five or six years who quit and then we got new people and those new people like as often happens didn't pay attention and didn't care and that just ruins the league for everybody else and i don't want to put everybody through it again if that's going to happen so um maybe i would consider chopping the league down to like eight people that i feel like i can trust to actually participate the way they're supposed to but i think the 12 person league for sure is probably going to be gone for good um and i think that's it anything else that comes to mind from this week this insane week matt not really. Because the games haven't been happening, but everything else has just been off the chain. Yeah. I mean, this morning, uh, Kotaku ran an expose on how uh, Nintendo's Q&A testing department has been a hive of sexual harassment and villainy mm-hmm. for years, which had some pretty horrifying stories in it. But uh, They've been on that story for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, there's been while. a couple of different reports. Yeah. This is just like the big bam of it. And uh, oof. What were some of the bullet points? I mean, the main stuff was just like, uh, uh, the main thing was like women, there's what was called red badges who are full-time Nintendo employees and most of the testers were through an employment company. And basically if a red badge came and started hitting on you, you better reciprocate or you're probably gonna get fired. Wow. Um, or replaced or whatever. Like the, the conventional wisdom in the, in, the, in the testing pool was like, just, just don't, don't dissuade them too hard. So these the, were developers working at NOA? Full-time NOA employees, who whatever they were doing. Hmm. I wonder what departments that would be that would, like, go down and interact with the QA department. Uh, men. That's the, de- that's the department that would So basically that. just the men at NOA yeah. were like, oh, this is, like, someplace I can go to try to pick up women. Yeah, like they were using the testing group as a, as a dating pool. Basically. Oh, interesting. And the dating pool knew that they didn't have a lot of recourse because HR wouldn't do anything about it. Interesting. Huh. Hardly the only company in the industry to have that problem, but Yeah, I think people, because Nintendo generally makes games for all ages and some of their stuff skews a little younger, I think people often assume that Nintendo isn't basically experiencing a lot of the issues mm-hmm. that a lot of other companies are experiencing. Well, they foster that squeaky clean image and all mm-hmm. that. It'd be interesting to me to see if Nintendo fans hold Nintendo to the same standard that people have held Activision and Blizzard right. and, and Bethesda and all and the, Ubisoft. And, and I mean, that's the crazy part. Is, Bethesda didn't do that. At Bethesda, this point, Bethesda just got bought for a lot of money. They didn't have that. <laughs> but if that's the crazy point is at this point, it's like every gaming company has like... Yeah, but also it's not every gaming company. It's every it's company. Not. It's just it's every company. Business. It's just how companies work. Yeah. And have forever. Yeah. Watch Mad Men. Yeah. Like it's it's been that, that way. That was for normal a forever. Yeah. And like now people are thinking, no, we shouldn't have to deal with that. And you're getting some people saying, well, yeah. I would argue even ten or fifteen years ago there was elements of that still. Oh yeah. Hanging around. I mean, obviously they're still happening now if these gaming companies are getting popped for it. So. I, th- I think the way things were run at G4 and Tech TV, you'd have some some now you differences would. now. Yeah. For sure. Yep, that's for sure. I mean, and there was there was kind of that whole creep element, you oh, know, yeah. with Morgan and some of the female hosts there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of people only tuned in to Oogle, the girls on those shows, and Ogle, Oogle, Ogle. Okay, mm-hmm. only one O. Okay, oh, but is uh, there? yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I mean, also people who were in the company. Were doing oh yeah. That. Oh, you'd see certain people from other departments who would come and start Mm -hmm. hovering in your area, and eventually they'd meander over to Morgan's Cube, and hey, Morgan, but it's Mm -hmm. like, bro, she doesn't want to talk to you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Yeah, (laughs) but she She especially doesn't want to talk to you, and you're sitting there, and you're like rolling your eyes, like, how long is this going to last before Morgan figures out how to make him go away? It was almost like a game. Mm. 
Well, the game for me was I'm going to go tell Morgan I need her to come do something. Right. Yeah, we would bail her out sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I would do that at events when we shoot with her all the time. Mm-hmm. You go to E3, and it would just be like ants on a piece of candy. And you, she'd give you that look. Mm-hmm. The, oh, help, gotta go. the help yeah. me look. And you'd have to go over and make up some reason. We need to go shoot. Or we need or, and grab her and pull her out. Like, it's better now. But it's still there, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's still happening at a lot of these companies, which is a shame. Um, all we can do is do our part to try to make it better. That's mm-hmm. it. But, you know, I wouldn't stand for that stuff in any of my departments. But I don't control every department. It places I was a manager. So it's cray-cray, people. Um, I think that's it, though, for loose ends and housekeeping before we get going. Yeah, not a, mu- not a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at our awesome chat. One of the big reasons, oh, sorry, I have not connected chat to the TriCaster yet. <laughs> Let me do that very quickly. Um, one of the biggest reasons to come and watch our show live is to interact with our chat. Our people are awesome. They know their stuff. Um, they're polite. You're not going to find a lot of cretins in our chat like you find a lot of other places in the industry. Um, and they give you free stuff. <laughs> In fact, at the end of the show, we'll have another um, installment of Name That Game, where if you win, you win a free game. Um, okay, got the chat up in the TriCaster. Let's bring you guys up and see what's happening on your Tuesday afternoon. Um, AJ the Legend Watson, thank you for gifting the subs. Um, Vincent says, oh yeah, should have mentioned, next week, well, next week after Tuesday is when Gamescom starts. Um, and then I think Keeley's big thing is next Tuesday, Matt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it says it starts an hour before Game Face would normally start, and it's supposed to be 90 minutes long. I'm wondering if maybe we do like a live... It's a live stream thing. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Because it's not like we have a lot... To, I mean, we that will have save us a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. next week I will have Roller we'll Watch Throw. that, and then we'll, we'll talk about Saints Row, maybe. Yeah, a couple games after that or something. We'll figure it out. Just make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Sifted Games, um, and we'll keep you guys uh, abreast of what we're going to do with next Tuesday. But we will absolutely be here. It'll be a surprise what we end up doing, though. Um, one Super Master Gamer. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, what else we got here? Anyone else drop us with... Oh, here we go. Snowman92DR. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, let's see. Some of you guys are saying you're interested in joining a fantasy league. Fire Native. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Nox Aeternitis. Thank you for Twitch Prime. The McWomble. What's up, man? Hope you're doing good. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, Fruit Eater. Thank you. Croak. Thank you. A lot of people today. I guess it still is the middle of the month. Not all of you guys have done it. Um, Toast9, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, by the way, we we never heard from the winner last week of Name That Game. They never hmm. asked for their game. Not Cirque was the winner, right? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was Not Cirque last week. I never heard from you, bro, um, to claim your game. So make sure you do that, because uh, we got one waiting for you. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, people are already like trying to figure out what they're excited about for Gamescom next week. What are you excited about for Gamescom, Matt? I don't know. Yeah, I, me either. <laughs> it's I like, mean, there's the rumors about it. There? There's the rumors about Armored Core Six would be would be fun. Yeah, the from like, so- that's why people are talking about. I it haven't chat. really paid much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I imagine it'll just be a lot of delays. Probably <laughs> more delay announcements. Yeah. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of Gamescom next week with all the stuff that's been going on with with all the delays and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. 
We'll probably see like Hogwarts Legacy, though. I think a lot of the game. Here's probably what's going to happen, Matt. All of the games that were delayed into next year are going to be showcased at Gamescom, would be my guess. Because mm-hmm. they obviously should all be ready to show like a developer walkthrough or like big chunks of gameplay. So um, I would think that that's what we'll see from Gamescom, but we'll have to wait and find out. Okay, let's get the show going, people. We're going to kick things off with <clears throat> the biggest release of the week, I think. Although Matt didn't even play it. I don't think you did. Nope. And that is Rumbleverse. It is a free-to-play battle royale melee focused game um if you each match has 40 players i hate every word of that (laughs) sentence well let me just start with this everybody hates this game i hated this game i just and let me get the b-roll running so it kind of helps make my point oh somehow i like it less now (laughs) everybody hates this game because if you look at it it looks very generic and very dumb and very boring. And I was a part of that crew. I was like, oh my God, this is made by Iron Galaxy, by the way, which is a studio that picked up the development of the reboot of Killer Instinct for, I think they started development at season two. Does that sound right? And then finished off all the seasons. It was something like that. Something, yeah. something like that. They took over halfway through. Yeah, and they did a good job with Killer Instinct. I thought they did. Um, so anyway, this is their next new project that they started from scratch. And for whatever reason, when this was shown, I think it was shown at the Game Awards last year for the first time. I think that's where it was debuted. If I remember sure. correctly. I don't I don't remember this. I didn't remember this thing existed until people started talking about it this Well, week. that's because as soon as it was shown, people decided they hated it because of the look of the game and, oh, another Battle Royale. Do we really need the that? The currency is called Brawla Bills. Yes. Yeah, the currency that you actually pay for, Brawla Bills. I'm yeah. going to go in the other room. <laughs> So, I'll fully admit, I was on the hate Rumbleverse train. I, I agreed with it all, everyone. I was like, it looks terrible. It looks like it plays terrible. What is this thing? It's like a professional wrestling battle royale game. Maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And then I played it, Matt. And I'll say this. I've gone through waves with this game. So, when I first started playing it, I didn't like it that much at all. I didn't really understand the controls. I didn't understand how things were supposed to work. I didn't understand the gameplay loop or any of that stuff. And then once I figured it out, I kind of fell in love with it, Matt. I hate to admit it. So, Mm -hmm. as I said, it's 40 people in each match. You can play solo, which is what I mostly played, or you can play duos. They haven't really added anything beyond that so far. But as you see, you, you're, sh- you're shot out of a cannon into the play world. And the play world begins as a, as a sphere, a circle. And just like every other battle royale, as it goes, at certain intervals, the circle shrinks. And you have to stay inside the, the circle, which forces people to be pushed closer together and encourages confrontation. Now, one caveat about this is if you're outside the circle, you only have 10 seconds to get back into the circle or you'll die. You can go back into the circle, and the count will kind of reset, but if you pop back out, it will start again. So you don't have a lot of time outside the circle before you die. Literally 10 seconds. And they claim that this was them trying to incorporate the 1-2-3 count from wrestling into the game in some way. So 
for most intents and purposes, it does operate like a typical battle royale game. You're, it's you. You want to be the last man standing against forty other players. And I will say this too: the battle areas are small. So as you saw when I first got launched by the cannon into the world, the actual world itself is pretty gigantic. But the the area that you play each match in is just a fraction of the overall world that has been built for Rumbleverse. Um, so you get shot by a cannon into that smaller area that you're actually going to play in, in a different part of the city. And as you're flying in, you can keep flying and then you tap A to kind of actually descend down. So you can choose like the part of the play area where you actually want to start in and you can see the other players with you. But I think a lot of people here, there's only 40 people and they're like, oh, that doesn't seem like that much, but it, it's perfect for the actual play areas that they give you in this game. So. It is all melee based. There is no, you can throw some things that you pick up. So I wouldn't say that there's no projectile weapons at all, but there are no guns. There's no weapons in this that you, projectile weapons, that you use all the ammo and then you find more ammo and then you it, you can pick up like some objects like mailboxes and throw them at enemies. But once you do that, like it's gone. You can't really like pick it up and then keep throwing it. You do get melee weapons like baseball bats and steel chairs. Um, but they only last for X amount of time before they break. And that is one of my biggest complaints about this game is that the weapons break way too fast. You whack somebody like three or four times, the baseball bat breaks and you got to find another one. And finding weapons in this is not easy to do. Everything is hidden in these crates and inside the crates, it could be a number of things. Um, so it's a lot of it. And this is endemic of a lot of battle royale games there's a level of luck involved to the game meaning like if you find a weapon at the right time particularly when the game starts like a lot of other battle royale games if you're lucky enough to find a weapon right away you have a huge advantage because there's five other people who just landed right next to you and if you're the first one to get a weapon you're going to have a huge advantage over those people because the weapons increase your damage output now you can still do damage without weapons you can you can just punch and kick and there's very simple combos. The I've been playing it on Xbox. The X button is your quick attacks. The Y button is your more tough attacks, like they do a lot more damage, but they take a lot more time to perform. They're unblockable, but if somebody does dodge out of the way of it, you're left vulnerable for a good like three seconds after you try to do it. So there's a nice balance there as far as like using your more powerful attacks. And then as you keep dealing out damage and collecting things, your meter builds up and eventually you have a, you can unleash a super and you can have two supers equipped at any given time. Um, the boxes, so if you look at the bottom right of the screen there, you have three attributes that as you smash boxes, there's these little canisters that pop out of the boxes and you drink them. And that permanently increases your attributes in one of those three categories, those drinks that you drink. And so it can be smart again, like in a lot of Battle Royale games, to land and kind of go off on your own and build up your stats by drinking the drinks. And then once you're kind of built up, then go and participate in kind of all the combat and the melee and get involved in the actual fisticuffs of the game. Um, you, what you were seeing right there was the lobby and the lobbies in this game are insane. They're literally like entire levels. And I like that about the game because it gives you all the elements in those lobby areas that are in the actual gameplay world so you can learn a lot of the ins and outs of the game just in the lobby screen which isn't the case for a lot of battle royale games when i like i said when i first started playing i felt overwhelmed but 
the lobby screens actually were one of the biggest aids in helping me figure out how to actually play the game. So it's really important. Um, in addition to picking up these canisters, so you're seeing there, I picked up a yellow one. Now my stamina is higher for the rest of the match. You also, there are also these books or magazines lying around. And what you can do is you can read one of those and that will replace one of your ultimates with a new ultimate. Um, now, one thing I will say that also helped me was I played a couple matches of this and then I went in and customized the control scheme because the default control scheme does not fall in line with the way most action games are played today. For example, like I went and I swapped the dodge to the B button because normally the dodge is always the B or it's a circle button. I've just have muscle memory to tap that button when I need to dodge. And so I went and changed the, basically the entire control scheme so it can be more in line with how I typically play action games. And the good news is you can absolutely do that. You can go in and set up the entire control scheme, every button exactly how you want it to be. Again, something that should be in every game, but it is not. Um, the game is set in Grapital City on planet Suplex. It's supposed to be, <sighs> I know, it's supposed to be like a wrestling game, but I mean, you've been watching the B-roll. Do you see wrestling in this per se? I mean, there's people doing suplexes and stuff. There's but wrestling. otherwise, there's wrestling moves. Right. But otherwise, does it really feel like a wrestling game to you? No. I mean, it doesn't, it's like they've mathematically calculated a game that I am le less interested in than any other game ever made. Really? I, this looks awful really it's not though awful it's really not like it just like i'm not just talking about the visuals i'm talking about like all like the the messy combat and trying to getting close to people and the limited combo like just oh why would i not just put a fighting game on well it's not a battle royale against 40 other people yeah but i don't care about battle royale so. <laughs> um so it's supposed to be a wrestling game and they've kind of marketed it as a wrestling game, but like you don't need to even care about wrestling. I don't think your enjoyment of wrestling is going to impact your enjoyment of this game one iota. Like I really don't think it'll make any difference at all. Um, let's see, other weapons that you can, like you're about to see, I think I'm gonna grab that stop sign. Yep, so other weapons that you can grab, you can grab stop signs straight out of the ground. And again, weapons are imperative because they, deal i would guess and i'm guessing here double the damage of just using your fisticuffs or whatever and then like every other battle royale game it has a lot of the same issues where you know you can get ganged up on like a lot of it is just luck it's like you engage with somebody does somebody else join that fight if they do suddenly it's just luck who ends up winning that fight because you don't know if they're going to come in I mean, that sounds like wrestling. And they're exactly, you're right, actually. You don't know if they're going to attack you. You don't know if they're going to attack the person that you're already squaring up with. Um, there's a lot of randomness to this game, but I also think that that's a little bit of what makes it fun. Um, so right now I'm sprinting. The sprint is governed by your stamina. So again, like if you look at the bottom right there, the yellow meter, um, if you increase your stamina, it means you can sprint more. Um, so there's strategy to it. There's a, there's a pile driver. Yeah, so that's one of the specials that you're seeing right now. And the, and again, the timing for it is tough. It's unblockable, but you, and you have to dodge it. But if he goes for that move and I get out of the way, then he's a sitting duck for a good like two or three seconds just standing there. And then you can perform your own sort of super move on them. Um, what else is there to, to mention about this game? Uh, there's jump attacks. As I said, there's throwable items. Um, 
as I said, the items break way too quickly, like getting a bat and like using it three times, the bat just breaks and you have to try to find another one. So you do spend most of your time in this game hand to hand. Most of the time you're not fighting people with weapons and you do not have a weapon. And that you're right, Matt, like the combos are probably a little too simple um, because of the fact that you are, it is melee most of the time. There you can see you can regenerate your health by eating chicken. And obviously another tactic you can employ in this game is fight, win, run away, hide, eat chicken. Once your health is full, run back. But again, it's just like real life. Yeah, <laughs> just like real life. But again, it can be hard to find items that you actually need in this. It's a lot of luck, whether you find like a chicken leg or whatever that's going to replenish your health. But it's also very easy to hide and stay away from the rest of the people that are brawling in this and just kind of keep looking for stuff in boxes until you get exactly what you need. Um, and that, again, is something that's kind of intrinsic to Battle Royales that you probably either love or you hate at this point. Um, the controls are responsive. I agree with you, Matt, that more better combos would be appreciated than what's included in the game. And maybe that's something that they expand on over time. Um, but the combat is responsive and it does feel good. Um, I went, as I said, when I... When we started talking about this, I went in waves with this game. I started playing it. It was overwhelming. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like a fish out of water. And then, as I said, in the lobby, I learned how to play the game. And then I got to the stage of what you're seeing now, which is where I, I started to really figure out how to play the game. And I started, like, if not winning every match, finishing, like, top 10 every match. And then last night, I jumped back in to play some more, and I ended up getting matched up with some good players, and they housed my ass. And I suddenly didn't like the game as much as I had the day before. And I started to realize that if people can, and this does happen in a lot of Battle Royale games, if you find people who are friends that are playing together, they will tag team you. And there are ways in this game where you can fall into a loop where you can't do anything, where they keep attacking you with a perfect timing so that you're basically just continually getting juggled and there's no way to get out of the loop of getting attacked. And again, I never saw it one-on-one. -on -one. I only ever saw it when two or three people were attacking me at the same time, but nevertheless an issue. Although if you're one who, someone who likes to play in duos or trios, maybe the fact that that type of a strategy is in there is something that appeals to you. Um, there are huge health bars. Like it very rarely happens in this game that you spawn and then you're dead like a minute later. Like your health bar is very generous. And again, because you can replenish your health bar with the chicken legs, you can conceivably, if you're smart enough about sneaking around the map, you can conceivably last forever if you just want to be a coward and try to just hide. And, and again, a viable tactic in Battle Royale is to just hide and wait till everybody kills each other and then pop your head out after there's five or 10 people left. You can absolutely do that in this as you can in every other Battle Royale game. Um, my biggest complaints, and now here's some criticisms that I have. The biggest one I have, and I think it may be a game breaker, honestly, is that it takes forever to get into another match. I've talked about this before, and if you go and watch or read interviews with the early Call of Duty teams that worked on the early Black Ops games or worked on the early Modern Warfare games, they will tell you that their secret sauce to making Call of Duty popular over other shooters was the time between games. How long it took between the time where you were eliminated from a match or a match ended and how long it took before you were firing bullets again. That was one of the things that they worked on constantly to improve in the Call of Duty franchise and it is abysmal here. Setting up your first game can take like two or three minutes to get into a game. 
And then once you're eliminated, you can immediately choose to join another game. And I've never seen it take less than a minute, ever. Never, ever have I seen, have I been able to join another game in a minute or less. What's the standard time to get into another Battle Royale game from like... Well, Call of Duty typically is like 12 seconds or something like that. Battle Royale games usually are like 20 to 30 seconds. And I don't know if part of the problem is that they don't have enough players in the player pool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But this has cross-play. And it seems to be like a lot of people are playing it and enjoying it. I don't know. It's hard to get any data from the game itself on that. So I don't know if that's causing the problem. As far as like they don't just have enough people to populate all the matches i don't know but i do know that for this game to survive long term they're going to have to figure out a way to get people into the next match way more quickly than it does now it's just it just doesn't work um there's a battle pass this game is free to play by the way i don't think i've mentioned that in all of this this is a free game now initially they were going to have some kind of a weird thing where they had like a paid early access thing and i think what happened was the response to the game was so negative that they're like you know what i think we need to make this a free-to-play game so it is free but as you're seeing look at how little yeah i was gonna say you earn very slow progression oh my god it is glacial again another deal breaker in this particularly with free-to-play games where you're like okay I'm getting this for free, but I at least still need to feel like I'm doing something and making some kind of progress. Like, even once I did start going up in levels, like, I never really earned anything that was worth anything. But, on the flip side, I was able to play this game no problem. I There is no play to win in this. None of the stuff that you earn or pay to un- earn unlock or pay to unlock is will help you play better or, or help your character be more powerful. It's all cosmetics. So... They're handling that part of it right, but the progression, like the actual earning of the currency. So there's um, there's those bills that you talked about earlier, which is a currency you actually you pay real money for. And then there's fans. Fans is the free currency that you also use to unlock stuff for free. The fan stuff, it's so slow. It takes forever to earn any fans in this game. So I would just say right out of the gate, if you want to be able to customize your character, you're going to have to pay. Unless you are the most patient person on the planet. I played this for hours and never unlocked another piece of, like, gear. So, it is very slow. I don't, I'm guessing that's part of the plan to get people to actually spend real money on this game. Um, but the good news is it's not pay to win. The bad news is they've not found a great middle ground. If you want to customize your character, it is a grind. Um... I guess in general, when we talked about a game not long ago, this kind of similar to this called Naraka Blade Point. Um, it was a melee focus. It did have guns, but the guns were all like muskets, like single fire weapons. It took forever to reload. This doesn't have any of that stuff. This is all melee, 100% melee, but it is very similar as far as like the ebb and flow of each match and how you kind of approach how you want to compete. They're very similar. Like, you know, you don't want to get mixed up with like three or four people at once. That's when you get in trouble. You want to stay one-on-one in this if you can. When you do nearly suffer defeat, you want to run away and try to find health and replenish your health and then come back to fight another day. A lot of the aesthetics are the same, but I enjoyed this way more than Naraka. Naraka was too complicated. This is, I feel like it's a good middle ground of simple, but it maybe airs a little bit too much on the side of simple, particularly considering it is a melee-driven game with limited combos. It just doesn't have a lot of melee options, sadly. A lot of the variety comes from the super attacks and things like that. And again, as I said earlier, 
you can change what supers you have and ultimates you have mid-match by reading magazines that are scattered around the uh, the map. And that's pretty much it. It's available for everything. Um, oh, I should mention traversal too. The game is very vertical. As you can see, there's climbing, but I hate the way they handle climbing. You have to hit the B button to latch onto something to climb up. After years and years of Assassin's Creed and other games where you're allowed to climb a wall where you just run into a wall and you just start going up it, it's very weird to have to press a button to attach to a wall in this game. Hmm. But the verticality can also be really cool because there was one time I was on top of a skyscraper and I managed to pull my super move on someone on top of a skyscraper and I literally pile-drived him from like 100 stories. Which is pretty cool. Like this I can't... is taking forever. Yeah. These are the last two guys. Look at how little the circle is left. And they can't defeat each other. Because these two guys were good. Like, they understood, like... And they how... keep healing. Right. Exactly. And that was the point I was making. So, like, the, the finale is going to be, like, this one of them is just going to end up outside the ring for too long. That's kind of dumb. It does. It, and I agree. This is why I brought up earlier how you can just kind of run away and hide and rebuild your health if you wanted to you can cheese the game but a lot of battle royales are like that matt you can just run away and hide or as soon as the match starts just hide find a little building yeah. go inside it sit there wait for the player count to go down make sure you know only moves truly you have to. truly live in the, the the video game fantasy dream there <laughs> hiding in a building i mean let's be honest a lot of people play games to win not to have fun mm. and that's the line i guess you have to draw basically when it comes down to it, is like, what kind of, what how, how do you glean entertainment from games? And I think that kind of informs how you t you end up playing Battle Royale video games. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, a lot of Battle Royale games, I land and I go hide for a while. I grab some good weapons and I go chill out for like the first couple minutes. Because there's always that initial rush where like half of the people get killed like in the first like 30 seconds or whatever. I always sit that out. I'm like, okay, I'll let 25, 30% of the player pool just disappear before I even engage for the first time. And I don't judge anybody for how they play these games. Some people play to win, some people play to have fun, and that's totally fine. So I'll say this, I was pleasantly surprised by this game, Matt. I really thought it was gonna be terrible and I was gonna have no interest in playing it. I thought I'd play a match or two. And at first I thought I was right, because it was kind of overwhelming at first. I had never really played a game like it. And I was like, oh, I was right. This game sucks. And then as I started to learn it, I was like, actually, there's like a good bit of depth to this game. And I started having fun with it. And then last night when I started playing with really good players and start started feeling like I was getting ganged up on a little bit, I didn't have quite as much fun. But as I said, this is free to play. It doesn't cost a penny. Um, if you want to customize your character, you're probably going to end up spending real money. Um, but to just play it and be competitive, you don't have to spend a penny. Um, and I haven't, and I was able to win some matches and finish top 10-ish pretty much every match, which I kind of figured it out. So any questions about this, Matt? I know you're so enthralled nope. by it. <laughs> you might have any questions. I don't know if anyone in chat has any questions. I mean, obviously, this is free to play, so you can answer your own questions by going and downloading it. And it's not a gigantic download, so it's not like a huge like commitment that you have to make to, fig to figure out whether you actually like it or not. Um, uh, somebody's freaking out in our chat, apparently. People are telling them to chill out. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, but if any of you guys have any questions about it, Surly Mexican, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, um, Pharaoh Doll, I'm with Matt. The more Shane described it, I tuned out so bad I had an out-of-body experience. <laughs> <laughs> 
Erebus Jones asks, how many months do you think before Sifted is curating articles about the servers for this shutting down? <laughs> uh, Eight. I don't know. I really don't know. Because it's better than I thought it was going to be. But there are clues. That but it's, it's visually repulsive. It is. The so art like, style is bad. I agree. It doesn't really matter if it's good. Yeah, in that maybe. Regard. People have already made up their minds. I had made up my mind, and then I played it, and I found out Yeah, but you had to. Yeah. But, like, most people are just going to not download it. And as I said, there are hints that maybe the player pool isn't huge, so... Yeah, you wouldn't expect that much delay on a first week of a game for free. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is, like, eight months, ten months, sadly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think if people give it a chance, though, it will survive longer than that. I think it'll do okay. But you're right. I think it does look so bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people just aren't going to give it a chance. Supermaster Gamer says IGN gave it a nine. A nine. See, I'm not crazy. No, I'm sure you're not. I just don't care. Yeah. The thing is, like, I understand. Are people just burned out on Battle Royale at this point? I don't know. Point? I understand why people like the Battle Royale thing. I just, it does nothing for me. Just, I do not care if anyone is better than me at doing that. And I do not care about being better than anyone at doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the long and the short of it. It is not a thing I am interested in being good at. I understand why people would be. Mm-hmm. I bet if I was, like, a kid, I would. I bet if I was a kid, I'd be into Fortnite. But, like, just, mm-mm. Don't care. Don't care. To, I don't want to do... I don't like... I have be, hit the point where I just don't want to do the same thing in a game over and over and over again, and that's all Battle Royale. That's all multiplayer games are to me, really. Mm-hmm. The same thing over and over again. Just play this match, 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 match. It's like... I mean, people probably say that about fighting games. Oh, sure. But I care about fighting games because I'm more interested in that competition. I don't mm-hmm. care about who's better at aiming a ma- an Im- imaginary gun on a video game screen. I just don't. Like, it's not something I'm interested in. I might not be interested in fighting games if I hadn't played them my whole life. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I have an appreciation for that sort of built in, but I just don't care if I'm better at another human being at a video game. Anymore. You're not really a competitive person. No. Yeah. I am. <laughs> I'm like hyper competitive. I prefer to eliminate the ability of someone to compete. I don't really care about beating them in a fair space. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, but anyway, that's Rumbleverse. Apparently, the person freaking out in our chat was freaking out because we spent more than 10 minutes on this game. Mm. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I see where you're coming from, but I will argue also that that we, the <laughs> we're not doing. It's not like we're we're losing time from anything better. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Exactly. And I also argue that I spent a lot less time talking about Rumbleverse than I typically do about other games on Game Face as well. So mm-hmm. I do want to get it out there because I know a lot of people probably were like me. They saw it at first or like Matt. It looks awful. I'm not going to give it a chance. I think IGN's nine is a little high. I'll say that. Um, I would not give this game a nine, but I do think it's a good game. It's well crafted. I think I, I agree with you, Matt. Artistically, it does not appeal to me. It's hard to say whether that art style is going to appeal to a large group of people or mm. not. I mean, it's, it's trying to go for the same thing as Fortnite, but for whatever reason, it just does not strike yeah. the same note as Fortnite. It, it's, it reminds me a little bit of there's some CGI movie franchise that looks like that. The Littles or something, maybe? Like at the beginning of the B roll, when you're looking at the character creation. Let's see if I can get back to it again. Yeah, like that. I don't know. That looks like there's some CGI movie franchise for kids that looks like this. All of them? And they basically like just lifted it. 
Like right there, isn't there a? I was kind of like a DreamWorks dream, movie it's that got looks a dream just like that. Smirk to it, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. like we just cheat, <laughs> stealing the art style from something else. But hey, I, this is too generic to be called stealing. Yeah. anything really. Yeah, um, and I would also argue that when you're playing the game, it does not look that good. Like mm-hmm. I could actually deal with a world that looked like that if it looked that good when you were playing it, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just everything's so small. It's hard to see any detail and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, there you go. That's Rumbleverse. It's free to play. It's available for everything. Um, And I do recommend giving it a go. Like, for a lot of people who maybe haven't liked Battle Royale shooters, like Matt, I do think that this is something different that maybe might appeal to you. And again, it's only 40 people instead of 100. It's not as hard to actually win at this than it is in a lot of other games. Although, as you saw, the end of that one match, it did kind of get ridiculous where the circle mm-hmm. is like this big and they're just like healing and then returning to fight what and whatnot. But yeah, again... You, for a second there, I'm like, okay, maybe again. And then that final last fork, I was like, oh, no, that's garbage. <laughs> the deal breaker. Like, that's not a thing I'd want to do. So why would I want to try to win at that point? Like, yeah. it's like... There's no fun. reward anywhere. It's, yeah. it's it's just you're not you're not building to anything I want to do. Yeah. So no. I hear you. Like I'm waiting. I'm a, a melee battle royale might be the thing I would actually care about, but none of them. You know, the other one was closer. The samurai Naraka, one. Yeah. But like I'd I'd want something with with more meat on it. I'd Agreed. want something with like yeah. I'd want like for honor battle royale. Basically yeah. would be what I'd be yeah. thinking about. That would work. That'd be great, actually. Maybe yeah. that's the net. What for honor is the next one? I at this point, I'm just be be glad if Ubisoft makes it through the next month. I don't starting to wonder. Yeah, it's not going good over there. So anyway, there you go. That's Rumbleverse. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about probably the biggest. Well, I don't know. This that's a tough one. I don't know if this was the biggest event of the week because there's another one we're going to talk about next that had more games but not as exciting. So it's kind of like. I don't know. Take your pick, basically. But one of the bigger events of the week was a Nintendo Direct for Splatoon 3. Matt, you've not been a fan of Splatoon in the past, correct? No. What is it about the franchise that you don't like? Multiplayer. You don't like that? That it's multiplayer, mostly. Yeah, I don't care. So, were you waiting with bated breath to see if they would actually fill out the single player of this this time? No. Or have you just written it off at this point? I've more or less written it off. Yeah. Like, I appreciate the stab they went in that direction with Splatoon 2, but I still didn't play it because I don't want to spend Nintendo full price prices to play something I'm probably going to play for, like, two hours and ignore after that. But like, I don't see it. The campaign sucks. Right. <laughs> Their sta- it's a stage-based campaign. Yeah. It's not like a story-driven thing where you have characters that you like, keep I don't just like with. the idea of it. I think the characters are cool. I think the art style is cool. Do you like the art style? Yeah, the world is, is weird and interesting, but, like... Wow, I don't care about like just match-based multiplayer over and over and over again. Like it just doesn't. I don't. I'm not into it. Like I would play like a. I would play like Splatoon, Panzer Splatoon Saga, the RPG <laughs> that would be a version. Game I would play. <laughs> that's that's what I'm waiting for. Well, I am a huge fan of Splatoon. Honestly, I still play Splatoon too every once in a while. Like if I'm just sitting around like waiting for the wife to get ready to leave for dinner or whatever, I'll boot up Splatoon too and play a couple matches. Um, so I am a big fan. I am not a fan of the campaigns in the Splatoon franchise. I feel like they might think, as well I just... I think your reaction to the campaigns is one of the main reasons I just never bothered. Yeah, because they're bad. I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you. They're, they're stage-based. It's not like this flowing thing that you play through. They're broken up into, like, chapters or whatever. So it never really tells a compelling story. 
And unlike you, I actually am not a gigantic fan of the art in Splatoon. Like, I think that these characters and stuff are just kind of off-putting and weird. I will say this, they're different. No other game looks like Splatoon, but mm-hmm. I'm not a gigantic fan of the art in this game. It's hmm. It seems just bizarre and avant-garde, which I guess if you're half-human, half-squid characters, yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, it gonna makes, happen. It makes me think of Jet Set Radio to some degree, a little bit. Which, is, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, but I love to play it. And I am a gameplay first guy, and I love playing Splatoon. It is, I love shooters, and this is it. In, there's no other game that plays anywhere close to Splatoon. It is its own thing. And generally, the mode that everybody plays in this game is a mode where, called Turf War, it's four versus four, where the objective is basically just to paint the world that you're competing in, the map, more in your color than the other team's color. And that returns for Splatoon 3, except the twist now is that there are going to be three team turf wars, which is kind of crazy. Like that really switches things up drastically as far as your strategy is concerned. Like the other thing I would argue is that Splatoon really requires teamwork and nobody ever has a mic on (laughs) Switch. So you can't coordinate. So... Like, I can play Call of Duty without talking on a mic. Most shooters, I can. This one, in particular, is really hard to play without communicating verbally. And nobody does. So, that is probably going to be an issue that's going to proliferate in this one. They The app is coming back. And it will be available day one on the day the game launches. Which isn't always a given with Nintendo's first party games. Um, ranked Play has been renamed Anarchy Battle. And Matt, I just wonder... I would love to be a fly on the wall when parents have to explain to five-year-old Timmy what anarchy is. Mm-hmm. Chaos. <laughs> Timmy already knows. <laughs> you think Timmy knows what anarchy is already? In this climate, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's disturbing and sad, but you may be right. Um, but anyway, the that was on last week's Elmo's World. Yeah, <laughs> it was the word of the day on Sesame yeah. Street yesterday. <laughs> anarchy. <laughs> Anyway, the new rank play is called Anarchy Battle. Smash the state. (laughs) Modes are on rotation, and they include Turf War, as I said, which is a classic mode. Splat Zone, Tower Control, Rainmaker, and Clam Blitz. Now, Nintendo did not go into details on what all those modes are. Um, There's also a solo queue, so you can play by yourself. You don't have to team up if you don't want to. Most importantly, there are going to be 12 maps at launch, which is amazing. Hardly any shooters come out with 12 maps at launch anymore, which is sad, but the truth. And one big complaint i actually had about rumbleverse that i didn't mention is that yeah the world is big but it all looks very samey mm-hmm. like yeah there's like 10 square miles of terrain but it like when they put you in that circle it doesn't feel any different from the match that you played in a circle that was on the other side of the map like the time before um but this one the maps in this game are completely different and there are going to be 12 at launch which is amazing more stages will be added as dlc for free but there will also be large-scale paid DLC coming, but they didn't share much about that other than it did look like it's going to be story-based. Um, there's a new main cast. It includes a trio of characters. called One's called Big Man, one's called Shiver, and one's called Fry. And instead of having like the fake newscasts like they do in o- the older Splatoon games, they host a, a podcast, surprise, surprise, called the Anarchy Splatcast. Again, the word anarchy. Um, 
And then the host from the first Splatoon game, Callie and Marie, they return. Captain Cuttlefish returns. The Turf War judges, Judd and Lil Judd return. Uh, but there are new NPCs for the vendors in the overworld, um, which is cool. The characters that they create for this franchise generally are pretty unique, whether you like the art style or not. There Usually are results in some good, though hard to find amiibos. Oh, yeah. So there are three new amiibo launching at the end of the year. They are not launching with the game, which is a little weird. The amiibo are cut. This launches September 9th, so very soon. And the amiibo don't launch until the fall. So it's mm -hmm. odd that they're releasing the game and then months later they're putting out the amiibo. It's amazing how hard the ball was dropped on amiibos. It's crazy. It like they you, they were so popular you couldn't get them for uh -huh. a while and then like they just stopped. Yeah. Yep. Like they didn't even put out new ones for Fire Emblem. Yes. Like it's bizarre. Now you're right now you're seeing a new technique. So there's two new traversal techniques in this game. One is called the Squid Surge, and that's where players can swim up swim up walls in a single burst, which is nice. And then there's the squid roll, which is what you're seeing at the end there, which makes it possible to jump out of ink while turning around at the same time. So basically, they're just giving you, finally, the Resident Evil quick turn for Splatoon, something that this game has needed for a really long time. Um, all the weapons from previous games return. However, there's two new classes of weapons in Splatoon 3. Um, one is called a stringer, which is like a bow and arrow. And then the second class is called Splatanas, which are basically katanas. Um, they're wipers that allow you to charge and send blades of ink through the through a sword. And then there's three new special weapons as well. And the special weapons are your specials, basically. Um, once you have sprayed enough ink, your meter fills up, and then you can unleash your special. There's all the old ones returned from the prior games, and now there are three new ones. Uh, there are also things called Sheldon licenses that are used to acquire new weapons, or you can just level up. Um, through battles and using the same weapon over and over again unlocks new weapons. Um, customization is a gigantic deal in this. It always kind of has been. Like, customization actually has an impact on gameplay in Splatoon, though. It gives you passive buffs. So, in Splatoon 3, you're going to get stickers and outfits, banners, badges, titles. You can even customize your winning emote. Um, they'll also be releasing new items every three months for two years. So there is a big, big post-launch plan. And there is the new Splatana that I was talking about, the new sword-like weapons, which I probably will not use. I'm a Splat Duelies kind of guy. I basically have two Uzis dual-wielding that I end up using in Splatoon every time. They always work out best for me. Um, but the post-launch plan for this looks insane. So you have the free maps coming, you have all the cosmetic stuff coming, you have all the items coming, you have the paid DLC, which looks like it's gonna be an expansion to the story mode, um, all that stuff. And here are the new specials that I was talking about earlier. There's the new bows that I was just talking about. Um, again, I probably won't use those either. Splat dualies for me all the way. Um, and then, Talking about new modes. So there's a Turf War game that you're seeing right now. It's a card battle game that can be accessed from the Splatsville Hub. It's called Table Turf Battle. It includes 150 cards, and you can get a free, you get a free starter deck when you buy the game, and then you're trying to collect all 150 cards. Currently, though, the game is only playable against NPCs. It doesn't appear that you can play against other people online, which is weird, but not all that weird when you've Consider how Nintendo handles the online for a lot of its games. 
Um, Sam, Sam and Run Returns, which is the four-player cooperative horde mode. I don't know if you remember this, Matt, but in prior entries of the series, Sam and Run was this thing that would pop up from time to time. You couldn't just play it whenever you wanted, and it drove me bananas. Even if the room was open that you had to go into to start Sam and Run, a lot of times you would try to matchmake, and they'd just be like, sorry, matchmaking is turned off right now. It was infuriating. Like, I could never find time to play it. Every time I wanted to try to play it, it was either not happening or there weren't players. It couldn't match me with people, whatever. They have changed all that for Splatoon 3. It is available all the time, 24-7. You'll always be able to get a game of Salmon Run. They've also now added gigantic bosses to Salmon Run. So instead of just like being waves of enemies, now you actually fight bosses. They've added elites. This is one of the new elites that they've added to Salmon Run. They've really just blown it out and made it something different. So there's also this like egg mechanic that you've been seeing. There's these eggs that you collect. And then the four of you, you and your three teammates can basically join together into this giant contraption that then fires the eggs. Um, so it's almost like a special where all four of the players that are playing together team up to use the special together. So basically they have just completely expanded and blown up salmon run and i think pretty much all the changes that they've made have been for the better so um i'm glad that they've improved it and i'm also glad that they're going to make it way more accessible than they have in the past um so good news all around on that front um then there's the return of the story mode this time it's called return of the mammalians and once again it looks like an afterthought it's all stage based again nintendo is recommending it for multiplayer training which is really all it's good for and if you've been playing Splatoon for years and years like I have, you don't need training anymore. You understand how it works. And honestly, like in Splatoon 2, getting through the campaign was like an exercise for me. It wasn't something that I really enjoyed. It was like, I need to play this so I can talk about it on Game Face. And as soon as it's done, I will never go back to it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, let's see. The story mode... You play as Agent 3. You're the latest recruit of the new Squid Break, Split, Squid Beak, Splatoon. You battle the Octarian Army, whose members are covered in hair for some reason, which is weird. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. I was going to say the return of the Mammalians. Yeah, I guess you're right. They have to have, have body hair. That's a good point. Um, let's see. Along with, the, along with the Small Fry Buddy, you can explore the stages. Um, and that is a mode called Recon where you can just go and kind of just float around the stages and kind of learn the ins and outs of each stage. That's something that prior games probably should have had. And there's also a new monthly event called Big Run, where players have to defend Splatsville from the invasion of the Salmonids. And then the Splatfests are also returning. Do you remember those, Matt, where you would pick a side like peanut butter or jelly or black yeah, I or white? I remember the Transformers ones they did. Yeah. And then you fight for a whole week. And then at the end of the week, if you're on the team that wins the most battles across the week, you get like free cosmetics or whatever. Those are returning. Um, except now there's three sides to choose from. The first one that they're having is rock, paper, or scissors. Hmm. You choose one of the three and then fight for that side. There's also a photo mode. Um, as I said, there's extensive amiibo support that's going to be there at launch. And then there's three new amiibo that are launching in the fall. Um, the first Splatfest beta launches on August 25th. So there's going to be an open beta for this game coming up here in just a couple, not even two weeks, um, that everyone will be able to play in. The, the beta itself starts on August 25th, 
And then the first Splatfest, which is Rock, Paper, Scissors, starts on August 27th. So you'll be able to play just regular multiplayer for the first two days, and then the Splatfest takes over uh, on the 27th. And that's it. Um, Ashes in the Hourglass is asking me, do I use gyro controls? So I use gyro to fine tune my aim in this game. I use the sticks for the bulk of my aiming, but then once I start firing, then I use the gyro to fine tune my aiming to make sure I'm actually aiming for the head and trying to do as much damage as I can with, with uh, the amount of bullets that I'm sending or the amount of ink that I'm sending rather. Uh, but yeah, I do use the gyro controls just to fine tune my aim. And I'll be honest with you, the reason I do that is because I don't feel like the manual controls are great in the Splatoon franchise. I feel like they're herky-jerky, and it's hard to be really fine with the aim unless you use the gyro controls. And I will probably do the same exact thing in Splatoon 3 as I have in the first two Splatoon games. But I'm a huge fan of this franchise, and while I'm excited for Splatoon 3, I'm also disappointed. I really thought that with this third one they would provide a viable single-player campaign. One that people actually want to play. One that might be worth buying the game for alone or playing the game for alone. But once again, it's an afterthought. The bulk of the game is multiplayer or co cooperative play. And I would also argue that they haven't made a lot of changes to that. Like the Salmon Run stuff, yeah, it's more robust, but it's still just another horde mode. Now we get to fight bosses, okay. Been doing that in Gears of War for the last 10 years. Like. I'm a little disappointed because they've, this is everything. This direct laid it all out. It was like 40 minutes long, Matt. Can you believe that? They managed to have a 40 minute direct just for Splatoon 3. Um, and even with 40 minutes, I felt like a lot of the material was just stuff that we were already familiar with if you've been playing the franchise for the first two entries. And again, I am a gigantic fan. I am excited to play Splatoon 3, but not as excited as I should be. There just aren't there just aren't enough new changes to get me really excited about it. Um, I don't know if maybe you guys are. I will say this, provided they nail the other parts of it, which I'm pretty confident that they will. They already have created two very high quality games in the franchise lineage. If they are able to do it and you have not played Splatoon or been into Splatoon, then Splatoon 3 certainly is looking like the one you should sign up for. It does look like it's going to be the best one in franchise history, at least it's shaping up that way. Um, so for first timers, it might have some appeal, but as someone who's maybe already bought the first two Splatoons, they're like, man, should I spend 60 bucks on the third? It's really hard for me to find something in this game that I'm like, yes, this is why you should buy the third one. So I don't know, it feels like it's resting on its laurels a little bit because it already is a very unique franchise and it does play unlike anything else on the market. Some may argue there's a reason for that because hmm. <laughs> the other studios just don't want to do it. Uh, but at the same time, there is nothing else like it and there is value in that. So that's Splatoon 3. Do you have any questions about it, Matt? Not really. I mean, it's, like you say, it's Splatoon yeah. again with some stuff. Did you give the first one a shot? Did you play it at all? I played a little bit of it. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Fine. Yeah. I, I like the um, the element of surprise in Splatoon that you can like move under the ink. And one of the perks that you get, at least in Splatoon 2, one of the pieces of clothing that I had, the one of the perks of it was that it would hide the icon when I was under the ink. Hmm. And so one thing I love about this franchise is the element of surprise. You can swim under the ink and then pop up right next to somebody and be like, surprise! <laughs> 
and then cover them with ink and finish them off. Like, I like that about the game. Um, I like the, the verticality of the game, how you can go up a wall underneath the ink and then pop out the side of the wall. Like, you can do stuff in this game that changes the, the way you think about shooters. No doubt about it. And that's what I like about it. But I do feel like I've kind of wrung that stuff a little bit dry. Adding the squid surge and the squid roll should help a little bit. Um, but I just feel like at this point they're just kind of running in place, Matt. Um, adding a third team to Turf Wars, I'm going to have to wait and see how much that changes stuff. I do think it might change things pretty drastically. I'll be honest, that's what I'm most excited for. Well, it looks like it'll be an interesting dynamic, at least, especially since it looks like uh, one color starts with two start points mm -hmm. and the others are on the other side. So, like, there's an incentive for the other two colors to team up against the one color, but that balance of power is going to shift pretty fast. Well, then ultimately you so. still have to beat that other team. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it could add some dy dynamicism to the matches that Splatoon has not had in the past. So, I'm reserving judgment is what I'm getting at. I'm not saying, like, don't buy Splatoon 3 or buy Splatoon 3. I'm looking at what they presented as a veteran of the franchise and saying it doesn't mm. look all that great, but Vincent I'm leaving says it. says it's 4v2v2. 4v2. V2. So one team has four players, then the other two teams have two players. Interesting. And then it's only during the Splatfests. Really? Wait. I don't, I don't think it's right. They dedicated, like... Eight minutes of the presentation to three-team turf war. Mm. It was they that simple. Want, they want you it to only play, happens during Splatfest. They want you to play the Splatfests. Hmm. By your own admission, they don't really seem to have a whole lot else to talk about. Yeah. But why would you cordon off the most interesting tweak to your franchise? It's uh -huh. almost like Salmon Run all over again. Hey, here's this new thing, but we're going to keep you from playing it. Hmm. That makes no sense. But you know what? Based upon Salmon Run, maybe he's right. Because that was really dumb with Salmon Run, and it would not surprise me if they're doing something really stupid with the one selling point of Splatoon 3 as well. So maybe he is right. Um, I did not get that from watching the presentation, though. The third team is only during the Splatfest. I did not get that from watching that at all. Maybe there was an extra press release or something. Weird. Okay. Uh, but anyway... The, the, the bad details tend to come out in text later, as we, as that's we true. know. That's true. Yep. Um, but as I said, it's coming out September 9th. So, coming out real soon. We have to wait too much longer for everyone to find out if they're going to be into Splatoon 3. And as I said, beginning August 25th, there is going to be an open beta where everybody can play it. So, you're going to be able to figure out if you want to check it out or not. I do recommend that if you've never tried Splatoon... Get in on, on that beta. Join the beta and play. Because again, there's no other game like it. I know I'm not a big fan of the art style. Matt really likes it. Art is subjective, typically. Um, you may be looking at it and being like, Ugh, I don't know. It, I'm just telling you, there's no franchise that plays like it. Not even close. And for people like, like Matt, for instance, who maybe don't like shooters much at all, it has a different flavor to it. There's a... 3D platforming element to it, I guess, is the best way I can mm -hmm. describe it. It's like the best way to turn a 3D platformer into a shooter. Yeah. It just costs too much to, yeah. for me to like impulse buy into it. And like, this is full price, 60 bucks, by the way. Mm -hmm. It is not, you, you're right there. And it will never stop being 60 Because you know, people buy it. Yeah. Because people I, buy it because it's Nintendo. And like, you're right. Like this game should sell for like 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. That should be its price point. And maybe it does even better if they do sell it at that price point. I don't know. That's a. That's an algorithm I'm not privy to the data that feeds into it, unfortunately. So I can't really make an informed uh, opinion on that. But um, again, as a huge fan of Splatoon, my anticipation for Splatoon 3 is pretty muted. 
which is disappointing because we don't have a whole lot to look forward to, unfortunately. This is one of the games I was really looking forward to for 2022. Um, Ashes in the Hourglass says, Splatoon's art feels like a modern jet set radio. A little bit. That's what I said. Yeah. Yep. Especially with the stuff where they kind of do the alternate, like, Shinjuku stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it all, it, you know, there's a lot of modern Japan fashion in it, and that's yeah. what Jet Set did as yeah. well. So. And, like, the hub the hub world is basically Tokyo. Yeah, the traversal is sort of, you know, has that sort of slidey thing to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, definitely, I definitely thought it was um, uh, Jet Set Radio influenced in mm -hmm. some ways. Uh, or maybe they were just taking the same influence from the same places. That could be. Uh, Zaboomafu with the Crack Bros, again, one of the better usernames on Twitch, um, asks, should Splatoon be a game as a service? Meaning free to play? Free to play. Probably. The problem is, again, it, somebody later in chat says it's one of Nintendo's biggest franchises. It is now. Yeah. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be, but I'll... Sort of like what you're like. Oh, I thought we'd be more focused on single player. They're like, yeah, but doesn't they don't have to because it does fine without yeah. that. And it, I mean, honestly, Matt, I think it sells better than Metroid. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of things sell better than Metroid. That's so crazy. Metroid has never really been a big sales. It never champion. has been. And Dread ended up capping out at like three or four million sold. Why and I think is that's that? the, the top selling Metroid. And it was. You're right. And despite those anemic sales, it was still the best selling console Metroid. Mm -hmm. It's. I'll never understand it. It's so funny, too, how Samus is a pillar of Nintendo's, like, hierarchy of IP. Like, if you see a collection of Nintendo IP, she's always in there. But mm -hmm. she's really not. Yeah, I mean... Like, even, like, Kirby outsells her. I mean, really, Metroid's, like, children have done better than Metroid. Yeah. The like, they, the Metroid influenced a lot of stuff, but it was never that successful on its own. It feels like it's a franchise people like learning about, reading about, watching about, but not playing. Mm. It's really bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know. It feels like everyone like has bought a Metroid at one point and felt like they got burned by it or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's one of my favorite Nintendo IPs, but a lot of people disagree, unfortunately. I mean, I would say it's my, it is my favorite Nintendo IP. Yeah. But, like, it just doesn't. Doesn't ring the bell for whatever reason. Yeah, and uh, some of it's very you know. I think Dread sold as well as it did simply because it's released in the modern era. And there's more people to mm -hmm. buy it. It was, it was it was released on a platform with a lot of install base. Yeah, and so it by default sold a lot of copies. But uh, I think if Dread had not been terrible uh, in places, it would have had a better better sales trajectory. Yep, because there's some parts of that game I really hate. In ways I have never hated a Metroid. Yeah, I wasn't a gigantic fan of Dread, unfortunately. Um, we'll see. But it. I'll be a big fan of Metroid Prime Four. I'll guarantee yeah, you that. Yeah, we'll, well, I'm not going to go that far, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, we'll see if they make another Metroid Prime or if they do another. Let's add a bunch of weird crap that makes it into something I don't want. That could be because yeah. that's what I thought when I saw Metroid Dread. I was like, oh my god, they just finally made a 2D Metroid. Yeah, but they also added stupid one-shot kill stealth sequences that I hate. I feel a so, little bit better knows knowing that Retro's making it at least, but you're right. It doesn't make me feel better. Really? Because Retro's at their beck, beck and call. Like, who knows what Nintendo's going to demand they add to make it different or innovate. Mm -hmm. It's like, how come... It's so weird. How come Pokemon's the only one that gets to just make the same shit over and over again? <laughs> and the games that you want to make the same thing over and over again, mm. they won't. <laughs> I mean, I want Pokemon. I'm happy. I'm fine with Pokemon doing that, too. But it's like yeah. so it's like Pokemon, which is obviously not owned by Nintendo, so they can't really yeah. make those they demands. Yeah, have limited influence. Yeah. But it's like 
they just make the same shit over and over again, and it's fine. Yeah. Well, Splatoon does. But Splatoon kind of does. <laughs> There's <yeah>. another one. <laughs> Uh, but Sometimes anyway, you can I, just see, like, you know, Splatoon 3 even has that a little bit where it's like you can see them being like, uh, well, we're going to let them turn around and jump up the wall and we'll add a third team and you can use a bow and a sword. Like, I, tell me when to stop so we can just make the game because yeah. everyone just wants more Splatoon. Like, it, you know, it feels yeah. like they're just sort of ticking boxes off to get Nintendo corporate to shut up. Yeah. You know, like trying to address studio notes. Like, how about if we do that? Will you shut up if we do that? If we add stealth sequences where Samus dies in one shot, because can we make the game now? Yeah. It feels like you're trying to, like, pass some weird litmus test of is it innovative enough with Nintendo headquarters. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? What if you just made a fucking Metroid game again? Yeah. I'm hoping that's what we get with Metroid Prime 4. Fingers crossed. That's not how they roll it's today, not. these days. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'll just settle for the Metroid Prime remaster. Yeah. Which yeah. is still rumored to be. In it's October, been so long it's since I like played those. Happening. Like they'll kind of feel like fresh games. Oh yeah, for that's sure. What, that's when remasters and remakes make sense to me. When I don't remember everything about the game mm-hmm. still. Well, the thing. <laughs> I mean, most remasters are like that. Um, yeah, they're starting to get a little dicey, though. I can't think of any. Well, The Last of Us obviously is the most. Last of Us one. is a ten-year-old game. It's fine. But I remember still most about most things about that game. Like I remember all the major plot points. I remember all sure, the major but like, like, but like sequences. Part, but like, part of that is just they want to bring it in line with the other game, yeah. and I'm fine with that. No, like, I get you, it. You know, unifying it like that. I'm just saying fine. things are starting to get a little dicey in that way. I um, can't think of any other examples of that though. Well, they're also starting to remake games. We're going to talk about a couple here in a minute, actually, that probably shouldn't be remade in the first place. <laughs> but I mean, there's always going to be the odd red faction gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> did they remake that? They did. That's right. I forgot about that. I just wiped that one out of my memory banks. Uh, a couple more comments about Spl- Splatoon 3. Swanland, I tried if it came with a full-blown campaign. I didn't have to buy as an expansion. Yep, totally get it, man. That's why I was rooting for them to actually make a relevant campaign this time. Ashes in the Hourglass. Do you want Nintendo to make all the weapons and the card in mi- the cards microtransactions? Um, no. I mean, if they're, look, if they're going to charge me sixty bucks for this game, they better not make anything a microtransaction. Now, if you're asking me if presuming that it was free to play, then make the weapons and cards microtransactions. Sure, then that makes sense. But if you're going to charge sixty bucks for a game, no, you can't do that. Um, Vincent says Splatoon 1 on the Wii U sold almost 5 million units, which is amazing considering the installed base of the Wii U was puny. Mm. That's amazing. 5 million units sold on Wii U. Um, And then one Super Master Gamer says Splatoon 2 sold over 13 million. That's amazing, man. Yeah, it's one of their, I think it's their number three at this point. It's hard to believe. It really is hard to believe. Um, and then Vincent says they don't want an Infinite Warfare where they change too much. He's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare cha- made it was sci-fi. It was in space. It gave you a jetpack. You could fly. It was very refreshing. And people rejected it. Yep. They hated it. It's. You realize that that only sold 13 million units, Matt. 13 mm-hmm. million units. Great for Splatoon 2. Not great for Call of Duty. Yeah. It's crazy. So they'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, and then Super Master Gamer says Prime 4 will be a Switch 2 next-gen game. Possible. Um, oh, yeah. Johnny Hurricane says Animal Crossing is up there. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, that's that's number three, probably. That may be number one. After, after the... That may be number one. It's not bigger than Mario and Pokemon. I don't know. Not bigger um, than Pokemon. 
It's, uh, yeah, I mean, after the 2020 release, Animal Crossing, it's up there. Before that, I think Splatoon was their third pillar. Erebus says best COD campaigns is Modern Warfare 1. Agreed. Yep, I would agree with that. Although I really like the campaign in uh, Black Ops 2 as well. I like Modern Warfare 2's campaign, but like, yeah, Infinite Warfare was a breath of fresh air. It was amazing. And it was then, freaking great. Nope. We'll never see you again. Yep. Sorry. Uh, Fox and Crow, thank you for Twitch Prime. That is awesome. We appreciate and it, I do. Bro. I do agree with one Supermaster Gamer. Uh, I think Zelda's on that path, too. On which path? Switch 2 launch game. On playable on Switch One as well. Yeah, they'll still release but, it for Switch. But you're gonna that's gonna come alongside it might. hardware. Yeah. It's insane. It's been too long. Next year's video game fantasy drafts are gonna be bonkers. Mm-hmm. You're not have to worry about like having teams where the games get it should delayed. Should be like some kind of it should be some sort of bonus for someone who still has the balls to pick Zelda again. <laughs> if you pick Zelda every year. <laughs> that's me. Might be. I think I picked it the last three years in a row, haven't I? Well, because I wouldn't have, because I knew yeah. it wasn't coming out. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I just keep... Well, this year I probably would have, but you went first. Yeah. Because um, I think we, I think it was reasonable to think it was coming this year. It sure was. <laughs> and <laughs> if you think Zelda's coming out in a given year, you have to pick Zelda. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> but next year, I think everybody will have full teams. Like, you're going to have to do actually do the best job of picking mm-hmm. the aggregate score instead of just picking the games that actually were released. Because that's really just, what it's kind of become the over the, the last two years is, like, who can pick a team that where the games don't get delayed out of the year? It hasn't been, like, like you and I, when we do our scores, like, we always do an average, which doesn't determine who wins. But I still do the average to see who did the better job of picking the games. But that's just for fun, like... Maybe that's how we should be doing it from now on instead of... But then you have people who would just pick one game and they would still win. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. But anyway, there you go. That's Splatoon 3. Uh, as I said, coming soon on Switch on the 9th of September. And again, there is an open beta launching on August 25th. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about what I was just hinting at, at games that are being remade that probably shouldn't be remade. And we're also gonna talk about something that we brought up here on Game Face several times in the past, and that is what has happened to the B-tier game. And THQ Nordic has answered that question for us, Matt, by waving at us and saying, hey, that's Mm -hmm. us. So THQ Nordic this week had a digital showcase, basically its big E3 press conference, for lack of a better way to describe it, it had a plethora of games that are coming from THQ Nordic. At this point, THQ Nordic, I don't know, even know how many studios it owns. A lot. Like dozens and dozens of studios at this point. It is a gigantic conglomerate owned by Embracer Group. Probably um, saved a bunch of jobs. Saved a bunch of jobs at, to the tune of losing half a billion dollars last year, I would add. Embracer did horribly financially last year. And it appears to be that THQ Nordic strategy is to just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and hope that something sticks. <laughs> it's got it's, me two new expansions for Titan Quest, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of the stuff, you're right, though. They're doing things that people thought would never be done. Mm-hmm. Um, they are releasing sequels. They're reviving franchises that people thought were dead and buried. Got a third Darksiders game. Yeah. So they're doing some good. But they also have finally reestablished that B-tier level of game. And to be fair, a lot of times they do price the games in that way as well. A lot of the games that THQ Nordic releases are 40 bucks. They're not always full price, which is good. Uh, but anyway, it had this big blowout this week of games. And it literally showed, I think, if I counted them up, it's probably like 15 games. We're going to talk about like a handful of them. Because 
a lot of the games are not worth discussing. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. But there are five or six that are, and probably the biggest of which, Matt, is a reboot of Alone in the Dark. You guys may not remember. I'll try this one again. Or you may huh? be too young, but Alone in the Dark is the first survival horror franchise. It was before Resident Evil in 92. Two is that right? Something like that, yeah. Ninety-two or ninety-three. I, I was in high, I was definitely in high school. Yeah, um, and it, it's crazy to go back and look at like gameplay from that first mm-hmm. Alone in the Dark because it is so primitive. Like, but it had like the fixed camera angles mm-hmm. and the survival part of it, where you don't get a lot of ammo and you make the one terrible mis- aiming. Yep, the, you make one mistake, you tank die. Controls like the puzzle solving. It had all the yeah. puzzle solving like way back then. And they are reviving that very first Alone in the Dark for only next-gen consoles, I would add. this is well, they, only... tried, they tried to revive this once before. Yeah, they have a, tried. With a terrible, what was that, 20, was that 2007? Maybe. No, that was, no, there was one in like, no, there was one in like 2000. The New Nightmare, I think it was called. Yeah, but then there was another one that was all focused on Central Park. Yeah, and that was like I do remember on the that. 360. Yeah, but that wasn't like a reboot of the first game. That was a just it was a reboot of the whole thing. Yeah, and they've just, released it didn't, it didn't acknowledge any of the others anyway. And they've released some crappy Alone in the Dark games since then as well. It has yeah. been like on the outs, but this one they are aiming for a Resident Evil 2 style remake of the first game. Not that you'd know, because the first game is almost is so polygony that it's almost abstract art it is and the storytelling in it was rough at best yeah it was distinctly lovecraftian but it was very Mm -hmm. odd yep um they're going to be showing this being played at gamescom in like a week which is kind of cool um it is set just like the first one in 1920s uh, the the 1920s american south um in a mental hospital for the wealthy there are two playable characters coming in this reboot um, you can choose which to play at the start, but their two stories are completely different this time, and they will intertwine with each other. And to get the whole story, you're going to have to play the game twice and play as both characters. Um, it is like spoiler. A, I will not. I will not. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on YouTube to watch the mm. other perspective. Um, there, it does include uh, all new locations that weren't in the original game. It also has an alternate spirit reality that wasn't in the original game, so they are doing a lot of work and revamp to it, which is good to see because it is from 1992 or the early 90s. Um, and like the Resident Evil remakes, it's there's guns and there's melee. Uh, you can pick up objects from the environment and use those as melee weapons, which is a little different from what we got with the RE remakes. Um, how do you feel about this, Matt? Are you excited about it? I have no response to this. Really? Whatsoever. No, I don't. I mean, you know I don't particularly care about horror games anyway. Yeah. Alone in the Dark is old, but that's about all I'll give it. I've never liked an Alone in the Dark game. Never? No. Did you play the original when it came out? I did. You didn't like it then? I thought it was impossible to control. It was hard. Yeah. It was just kind of bleh. It was the roughest of yeah. the survival horror games, but it was there. It did establish the template, but you're right. Once it- again, execution more important than innovation. Yeah. Like Resident Evil was a better game than Alone in the Dark. Oh, like, yeah. There's no way around that. And also came out three, four years later. Uh, so they had yeah, a lot three of years later. 95 in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So three years later. Um, I'm kind of excited for this. Like, I love survival horror games. Um, this does look like a Resident Evil-style survival horror game. The art looks pretty good. 
Um, technically, it looks pretty strong. So I'm excited to check it out. And we'll only have to wait another week to get a better look at it. So mm-hmm. by then, we'll probably have a better idea of whether it's something worth tracking and following on Sifted for yeah. those of you who I just, I think Swanlin's right. I, he says expects Alone in the Dark to be janky as F. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's Alone in the Dark. Uh, it always has been that no way. No Alone in the Dark has ever felt like a finished game to me. They've never given it to a good studio. No, they haven't. It's always been schluffed along to like some third rate. Yeah. Like They've given it to some, like that, that Central Park one was made by very nice people. But yeah. it was not <laughs> But they were very game. good. Yeah. They've never handed it to a, a great studio. They tried to studio. put driving sequences in that. I don't think I've ever been more irritated with something in that generation of games. Like, the driving did not work. I could not get past one sequence because I'd hit a certain bump and would launch my car into the atmosphere. Like it was, <laughs> how do they allow stuff like that in games? Even back then, how yeah. do they allow stuff like that in games? It's bizarre. Um, but anyway, we don't have a release date for it, but I did say, as I did say, um, it is coming to next-gen only, so it's PS5, Xbox Series, and PC. Um, but... I think the game's still a good ways off. It looks pretty far along, but that could be deceiving. But we'll find out at Gamescom exactly how far along it is when we see them actually play a chunk of the game instead of just a trailer that's all cut together. Um, Another thing that I realized, Matt, watching this event from THQ Nordic is that Wreckfest is a much bigger game than I ever thought it was. Wreckfest? Wreckfest. Have you played Wreckfest? No, I've heard of it. It's basically just a smash-up derby game. Yeah. But it must have sold very, very well and made a shit ton of money for THQ Nordic because not only is this spinoff coming, which is called Recreation, haha. Mm. there's another spinoff coming as well that we're going to get to in a minute. This one, however, is called, as I said, Recreation. It is being developed by Three Fields Entertainment, which is an all-star team that consists of racing game veterans... Um, the game is designed to be an, the ultimate haha, open world sandbox experience for driving and racing fans alike. Um, it's a complete world of your own designed by you or together with friends in an on, in online co-op. It is supposed to be the successor to Wreckfest. Um, and the developers have worked on the past on dangerous driving, burnout, and need for speed. And it's ultimately supposed to be an open world arcade racing game with lots of creative elements that you are creating with your friends and yourself i'll say this open world arcade style games not as common as they probably should be not entirely uncommon either we just talked about um forza horizon was it last week or the week before the hot wheels that was a couple weeks ago a couple weeks ago the hot wheels dlc that's one and criterion has made a couple here or there but for the most part, open world driving games don't really go crazy overboard like this one does. Like even yeah, this Forks- reminds, reminds me of Trackmania. Yeah, a little bit where you're building your just crazy mm. ramps and just doing crazy stunts and things like that. But apparently, Wreckfest was far more popular than I thought it was, Matt. For it to generate a spinoff, well, I don't know how popular something needs to be to get THQ Nordic to <laughs> go in on it. As I yeah. said before, we started discussing this. They are the new B tier. <laughs> Um, Vincent asks, would you call Need for Speed an open world racing game? It depends on the Need for Speed. Some of them are, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not like this, but... Yeah. Um, but lo- yeah. Loops and stuff. But yeah, there's a bunch of them that are open world, I would mm-hmm. say. Like the what most wanted was... Like the, the Criterion yeah. ones were, for the yeah, most part. Yeah, all of them were. Yep. The Undergrounds. Most wanted. The Undergrounds were. Were they... One, really of them, in big one of them areas. was. Yeah. One of them was just a big city. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Well, you're getting another one here. And um, I would not hold my breath if you're counting on this being great. 
Um, I don't know. Are you interested in this at all, Matt? No. Do you like Trackmania at all? It's fine. That was one of those games that, like, the first one I played, I really liked it. I played a ton of it. And then I get to the second one, and I had completely lost it. The novelty just sort of wears off yeah. after after a while. It's, it kind of reminds me, also kind of reminds me of, um, what was it? Um, San Francisco Rush 2049 Yeah, on N64, yeah. like where you just drove around the stunt tracks all the time. We, we played that a lot, multiplayer, we did back too. in the day. And like, I the think, stunt mode. Yeah, and I think, I think I'm still sick of it. <laughs> from then <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think 25 years is not enough t- cool off time for me to care about this kind of thing again yeah this game doesn't look great um it may look okay on your computer screen or whatever your phone if you're watching it right now but if you watch this on like a 4k tv some of the car models are yeah. really rough it just makes me wish they'd make another burnout yeah yeah me too uh let's see next up a remake matt uh, maybe this is the, the first one i'm talking about where maybe it shouldn't have been made of gothic one Mm. Do you remember Gothic? Of course I remember Gothic. It was kind of a big deal. The guys who made uh, Elix, Elix, yeah. whatever, that, they, they made Risen, which was a, you know kind of a spiritual successor to Gothic. Yep. I remember playing Gothic back in the day. That is the worst inventory system I think I have ever used <laughs> in anything. Like, that company, I think it was Piranha Bytes. Is that mm, the name of them? That sounds like familiar. That. Uh, the, the, the first two Gothic games have the dumbest pick up items and deal with them and like i've ever seen the like, combat so this is an, none of it makes any sense the original was kind of innovative it, it was, was one of the really first was. like open world action rpgs react like combat yeah. actually happened in real time yeah. and had a lot of like choices to make in the game like, the, like there's a lot of good stuff in there it's just the combat was, was awful though. it was hard to play then <laughs> and it's impossible to play now like, yeah this, this actually is a game if you care about gothic Remaking Gothic One makes a lot of sense because it's unplayable. The today. original is, yeah. And I, I would also say that go- calling the game Gothic is a bit of a misnomer because when you hear that, you think of like vampires and like. Well, it's calling it Gothic in the actual term of what Gothic means. Well, really, you know, Gothic means, architecture yeah. and like right. the era that comes. Yeah. You know. But it's really like a Lord of the Rings fable. Yeah, it's a medieval fantasy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, when I think of gothic, I think of like supernatural and stuff like that. But that's really not what this. Well, there's a little bit of that, but it was really hard to play. I think I played like the first two hours of the original gothic and was like, yuck. Like I could see that it was a harbinger of things that to come eventually. But it just it, it's as you said, innovation doesn't always make mm-hmm. a game great. You have to actually I mean, execute. This is, this on is it. like one of the er Eurojank games yeah like that's this a is, good way to put one of the first ones yeah that really <laughs> defined it really really innovated the medium of Eurojank. yep absolutely where um, like you're just like there's such a good nougaty center in this i'm gonna <laughs> deal with all the bullshit around it to get to it kind of thing yeah and the original gothic came out in 2001 mm-hmm. so it was an open world action rpg in 2001 way way ahead of the times yeah, i still have it on disc somewhere yeah Gothic 2 was much better. It Still was. pretty clunky in a lot of places, but Gothic 2 was sort of the peak of that franchise. Yep, this this remake was actually teased three years ago in 2019, mm-hmm. and crazy stuff happened where the fans like got excited about it, and they built like a little playable demo that the fans really loved, and that kind of gave it the green light. Um, 
All I can say is this remake can only be better than the original. <laughs> it can only improve. Really. There's no world where this will be worse than the game that came out in 2000. And if it is, someone deserves an award of some kind. Because <laughs> I don't know how you'd even pull that off. Agreed. Um, next up. So I said that there was another spinoff of Wreckfest, and here it is. It's called Stuntfest World oh, Tour. I saw this, and I didn't realize it was related to Wreckfest. <laughs> yep. Two spinoffs of Wreckfest in one event. Boy, they're really getting their money's worth. Um, one of those noodles must have really stuck to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually like the real sequel to Wreckfest, though. But it is coming from a new developer. It is a hybrid of driving and extreme sports. It's kind of like... You know, if you change that human to like a robot, this is a Transformers game. Maybe. Like, you could just make them turn into big robots and you've got a more interesting concept. This frankly. game looks so bad, though. It really, I think it really does. Uh, yeah, but for a Transformers game, it looks pretty good. <laughs> Vincent described it on the site in his blurb as a combination of Destruction All-Stars and Riders Republic. I do not disagree with that, although obviously both of those franchises mixed with Wreckfest. Yeah, it seems to lose something in translation, though. Uh, well, I mean, a big part of it is wrecking, the that whole angle of it. The other big part of it is this weird stuff where you're bouncing off of things. What is this, Matt? It looks like the insurance scam uh, minigame from Saints Row. <laughs> it does, actually. You're right. We may be playing something very similar to that here in the very near future. Um, the official line is um, race, wreck, and bounce with up to 18 players in an elimination-based tournament. Show off your spectacular tricks and be the best of the fest. <laughs> Basically, it's just cars with wingsuits when it comes down to it. You can eject out of your car and fly and then activate your wingsuit and take off. I smell turbo teen integration. <laughs> um, it looks fun, but completely brain dead, I guess is the best way I would describe it. And it's only confirmed for PC right now, but it's set to launch later <laughs> this win year. doing that? That's funny. What? Launching out of the car and crossing the finish lane first with your flying body. That's brilliant. I'm all about that. Yeah. That's the best thing in the trailer. If it ends up that everybody does that at the end of a race every time, I guess it's great. <laughs> that actually is pretty cool. Um, as I said, it's only confirmed for PC, but it's coming out before the end of the year. Now, I will say this. It does make sense because Wreckfest was a franchise that was kind of born on PC and then moved over to the consoles. So they do have a history of kind of releasing stuff first on PC, but... I don't know. To me, this game... Look at this game. is insane. <laughs> Maybe it's awesome. Yeah, it's very kinetic. <laughs> it looks absurd. That's all I got to say. Uh, but certainly catches your eye at the very least, which you can't say that about all games these days. So that is Stunt Fest World Tour. Again, coming to PC before the end of the year. And then since THQ still owns the SpongeBob license, although Nickelodeon may want to reconsider that... We got a new look at SpongeBob SquarePants, the Cosmic Shake. In fact, the second look that we've got at this since it was announced. This is coming to PS4, <coughs> Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, the plot of the game, SpongeBob and Patrick get to the get the power to wish grant mermaids tears, and then they end up tearing the fabric of time. And the fabric that holds the universe together comes undone, which opens up portals into seven wish worlds. And the so theme... SpongeBob goes multiverse. Pretty much. Way. Yep. Themes of the wish worlds include knights, cowboys, pirates, a prehistoric world, the Wild West, and more. The game does have the original voice actors from the show, which I was surprised by. But this game also does not look good, Matt. It really just... <laughs> Does not look great. I mean, it looks like SpongeBob. 
I guess it's I mean it's essentially a 3D platformer. Yeah. Um but I don't know. It's crazy how old this is now. Uh-huh. What how old SpongeBob is? Yeah. Yeah. SpongeBob's coming up in like a quarter century. That's pretty crazy. They still make new episodes though, oh, yeah. right? Still going. But I mean, look at this map. It's a 3D platformer, but it's not <laughs> it's like the bottom of the barrel 3D platformer. Yeah, Do but, not expect a lot of uh, innovation in this, but if you like SpongeBob, you don't have a lot of choices, unfortunately. I can't believe THQ has managed to hold on to this license because it mm. could be a really lucrative license if you had a good studio working on SpongeBob games. But this looks like just another cash grab, another license cash grab. Hey, everyone likes SpongeBob. Maybe we'll sell 100,000 of these things and call it a day. No, I think it'll sell more than that. You think it will? Oh, yeah. Is SpongeBob still a big deal to the oh, yeah. kids? Yeah? yeah. They still like it's it. It's also a big deal to the adults. Oh, really? They yeah. grew up with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is kind of a cultural thing with SpongeBob for mm -hmm. some reason where he kind of transcends Man, other. Man's a gay icon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, why is that? Is it just because of his rainbow socks? Well, no, he's kind of gay coded, I guess. There's a lot of gay coding in the show. Is there? Yeah. I never quite could figure it out. I know, I knew he had like rainbow socks or whatever. So I yeah, just, I mean, it was sort of like the 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 hints were there, but like it's gotten a little more blatant. In, they started in running years. with it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you didn't need to hide it as much in in as time know, mainstream programming anymore. So yeah, yeah it's, it's they, they wink and a nod here and there. Swanland um, says, "Have you ever played the Bikini Bottom game? It was really fun and played well. This is a sequel. I did not think yeah. the Bikini Bottom game was a good game. I did uh, not think it played well either." apparently millions of people disagree with that because <laughs> that game has a cult following like very few of its era i i am well aware of that and i still stand by the fact that it did not play well and it was not a great game it was i also feel like that was a cash grab for spongebob fans because there just weren't a lot of spongebob games there still aren't it's yeah. like you gotta take it or leave it that's the, what it uh, the death of the handheld platform has really put a crimp in the spongebob video <laughs> game market yes <laughs> definitely because they used to get a lot of handheld like game boy stuff and thq stuff. used to put all these licenses on game boy mm -hmm. and used to make a lot of money off of it i mean i'll be honest with you a lot of those games got us through a lot of lean weeks on x play let's be honest mm -hmm. man yeah. thq's licensed handheld games the rugrats yeah. like all that stuff yeah some weeks it was just thq and encore getting us <laughs> through the day <laughs> yep yep got to do what you got to do um, but anyway i respectfully disagree on bikini bottom i thought that game was awful and it was just an excuse for spongebob fans to be able to play a video game but anyway different no, it's one for of those things you know that big thing now where it's like actually this thing i liked when i was 12 that's dog shit was actually really good it's no. like don't don't no no just like a bad thing it's, <laughs> it's fine okay. i like lots of bad things it's okay i'm not gonna sit here and try to tell you that the original transformers movie from 1986 should should have won an oscar that's not a thing just just like your like your trash there's it's a lot fine. of spongebob hate in our chat here ashes in the hourglass all the adults hate everything past season three sneaky awful show ashes season one through three are great I mean, I, I, that show started when I was like 25, so I don't really have an opinion. On yeah, SpongeBob. I guess I don't either. I've never watched a whole um, episode of SpongeBob SquarePants in my I've life. Seen a few from early the early years uh, back in the day, but like not. I, the only thing I can tell you about SpongeBob for sure is that early on, every time the snail meowed, I fucking died. Oh like, really? I don't, I, for some reason, <laughs> Gary meowing kills me. Well, every snail time. meowing, I can see that. It's it's the way they animate the mouth being so exaggeratedly saying the meow, oh. and it's just like a standard meow. Like oh. For some reason, it just kills me. <laughs> every, I don't know why. Huh? 
stuff like that happens. And it works every time. I saw a recent thing where they did it again. I'm just like, oh, yeah, still works, still funny. I don't know why that's funny to me, but it is. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and then the rest of the games that THQ showed at this event were pretty much all trash. I mean, there may be a couple decent games in here. Uh, they announced a new South Park game, but mm. didn't have anything to show other than the South Park Studios logo. So there is, a, again, there's another license that THQ They don't have their weird, obscene title ready to go? No, they didn't have that yet. Okay. Um, but how did THQ hang on to that license? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's another IP that's just waiting for somebody. Like, Ubisoft had it for a while and did a good job with it, I thought. But I don't know how THQ got it back. I guess it didn't do it well enough for Ubisoft, although now I may be regretting that with where it's sitting at right now with no games to sell. Uh, but a new South Park game is coming. There's no release date for that or platforms, but I think it's safe to assume that that's going to be PS5 and Xbox Series only. Um, there is a remake of Destroy All Humans 2 that's on the way. All right. Which the they already I've, released the remake of the first one. The only thing I've learned from the remakes of this series is there were more of these than I thought there were. <laughs> Meaning more than one. <laughs> I knew there was more than one, but I get there was like a mid like a spin-off one without a number on it somewhere in there, I think. I think you're right. There was a subtitle for it, though. Yeah, yeah, uh, subtitle. Ah, but I, I mix remember. up the subtitles for that with the subtitle for the, subtitles for the actual one and two. Right. <laughs> well, this remake is called a remaster is called Destroy All Humans Two Reprobed. Mm -hmm. It is next gen only. It is only PlayStation Five and Xbox. Only series. PlayStation Five could bring you <laughs> the high level tech. Well, the reason they're doing it one, it, one, I will say, it does look a lot better than the original did. It does. But two, there you can play four player co op through the whole game, mm, split screen. Cool. So that's why it's next gen only. I guess they probably tried to get it to work on PS4 and it ran it like 10 frames a second or whatever. So this is next gen only. It is coming soon though. It is not, it's not a ways off. Does he still sound like Jack Nicholson? Uh, I don't know. I didn't listen to the trailer. I just, I dumped the audio out of it for the show and that was that. I watched it a couple times, but I didn't listen to it, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it didn't seem like the first Destroy All Humans remake made much of a splash i can't imagine the sequel i can't imagine it cost that much though so yeah maybe, maybe it was just enough i can't imagine that the sequel on fewer platforms is going to make a bigger splash so this one is probably going to be vaporware it's going to be here today and gone tomorrow and quickly forgotten um the extra games that were shown some of these may strike your fancy they didn't really strike mine so we're not really going to discuss them jagged alliance 3 the valiant tempest rising knights of honor 2 Outcast 2 and AEW Fight Forever, which is a wrestling game based upon that new wrestling mm -hmm. league, AEW. Um, I don't which, know. I like the old Jagged Alliance games. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really have an opinion. That on was it. the one on the border I thought we might discuss, but in the end, I decided to cut it. Um, AEW Fight Forever looks terrible, although it does sound like that wrestling league in general is pretty good. Yeah, that, 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 I've heard good things. I think I they're throwing big money. Yeah, at I don't really stuff. follow wrestling anymore. Me but. either. But all the stuff I've heard about it, like uh, there's a radio host in Pittsburgh who used to work in the WCW as an announcer, and so he talks about wrestling all the time. He's like a wrestling expert or whatever, and he talks about AEW and says it's like it kicks WWE's ass sideways. So people seem to like it, but mm -hmm. I, like you, I'm not a big wrestling person. I haven't been into it since I was probably like eight. I, I got back into it in the like around 2000 during the the the, the generation x mm. attitude era but then like basically once like the rock and stone cold and kurt angle and uh and um all those guys left and kind of the undertaker on. under me undertaker's still there <laughs> but uh i just kind of 
like checked out after a while because it wasn't a triple h like it, it, it you know they change you know the, the stories move on and they change and i'm like this isn't interesting to me anymore i never paid attention after it was wwe i was oh, i only liked it when it was wwf i think mm. i watched the first four wrestlemanias and then that that was the only better one was pandas beating each other with folding chairs <laughs> back then we had a satellite dish and i remember we had a party for wrestlemania one mm. um because we back then satellite dishes you could get everything for free before they started scrambling all the channels and so we had like 60 people at my dad's house to watch wrestlemania on our satellite dish because mm. we could get it for free yeah i saw that well, through the satellite dish my dad had i think wrestlemania one or two mm-hmm Whichever it was, and I remember one of my earliest memories of WWF is uh, the match between um, it was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and uh, and Randy Savage, I mm-hmm. think, and he hit him with the bell, and he sw- and and uh, um, uh, he swallowed his tongue. That was the thing. Was like, it's like, oh my god, like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat has swallowed his tongue, and I was like, what is it? And my my mom had to explain. It's like, no, it's all act. It's not. He didn't really. Oh, you get thought hurt. it was real stuff. Yeah, I was like six. Um, you know, I didn't know. I would. I thought they were showing a man choking to death on television. I had a very short window where I liked wrestling, and I really got into it. Like mm-hmm. I would go to like the local newsstand, and I would read all the wrestling magazines because the WWF never had blood. Yeah, but all those other leagues had blood. Yeah, the the, the local stuff. So I would yeah. go to read the magazines to see the photos of Dusty Rhodes with like his blood mm-hmm. streaming down his face and like yeah, all those guys who wrestled in like the Mid South Wrestling League, mm-hmm. like all these weird all the local promotions that yeah. just like did had no rules and no, I like dove headfirst into yeah. it. It lasted for like two years and I never looked back. That yeah, was I never. Got, I only like I saw WWF and all that and uh, I think I, I like mostly like Randy Savage. I thought, he was I thought great. He was cool. He's a great character. And yeah. the Ultimate Warrior yeah. was, was fun. He when was he in the NWA up. or NWO. He was what NWO was, eventually. He started in WWF. What was that league that was on TBS? Only on TBS. That was WCW. Was it? Yeah, it had the Road Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior. The, NW, and... the NWO was a sub subheading of WCW. Okay. Like they were they were the bad guys in the WCW. I watched that, which too. was a lot of old WWF guys who didn't want to work with Vince anymore. And then ESPN late at night would show those weird little creepy like tiny the, like the ECW stuff. Yeah. yeah, with the barbed wire mat, the stuff that like Mick Foley would do in his off days. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but anyway, I do. It, there is like a Venn diagram segment of gamers who like wrestling for sure, um, and at least there is going to be another wrestling game other than the WWE games, which have been like hit or miss for forever. So it's good to see that there's some diversification in that uh, subgenre at least. But other than that, that's THQ Nordic's big show for 2022, and as I said, reestablishing the B tier game one release at a time. How do you feel about it, THQ Nordic? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of. Do you feel pre- like we need publishers like them? I mean, it's better than letting all those IPs die. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't think anyone would ever do anything with them. Agreed. And yeah. I, I just, I'm just, I'm just hoping they last long enough to give us a Darksiders four that follows up on the damn ending of Darksiders one. Right. That's all I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Count Darksiders Genesis as the strife game and just make that last one so we can all rest. Yeah, the last one didn't seem like it sold very well. So three did pretty well. Uh, Genesis, I don't know, but Genesis was more of a side. Yeah, you know, like a twin stick. That was like a mobile thing. game, wasn't it? No, it was like a twin stick shooter. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but that you could play as Strife, and I'm saying we count that as Strife's game, and don't make a Strife game. Just make the big finale, Dark Darksiders Armageddon, or whatever you're going to call it, that follows up in the ending of Darksiders One, where the three are coming to War's rescue, and then they've never mentioned it again. Yeah, it is weird. 
Why would you do that? Well, the plan was that everybody, all four horsemen, were going to get their own game. Right. And then there was a lot of financial problems. Yeah, because Darksiders 2 was like, you know, now we're going to do Death, and then we're going to do Strife and, and Fury. And uh, Fury got her, you know, Fury got her game. Uh, and I'm going to say we don't need a first-person shooter for Strife. We did Genesis. Mm-hmm. Just do the fourth one, whatever that was going to be, whatever that ending with all, where you can play all four of them is going to be. Just do it. Get I would done. hold my breath, my friend. Weirder, weirder things. I mean, we've, we're getting the entire Destroy All Humans series remade. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> like, there's no... There's been two expansions for Touché. Titan Quest. Like, we don't know what these people are going to do. Like, Touche. THU yeah. Nordic is completely unpredictable at this point. Yeah. Um, how did Brett Michaels and Tommy Lee end up in our chat? Tommy and Pamela Lee, Anderson. Because Tom, Tommy Lee, they were com- connected with some of the, the wrestling stuff at the time. Were they? Yeah. I didn't remember that, actually. Yeah. Interesting. I'd forgotten all that. I didn't realize there was crossover there at all. Um, Brett Michaels, yes, was the lead singer of Poison for Eric Cartman, as he's asking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Tommy Lee was the drummer of Motley Crue. Brett Michaels, yeah, he was Poison. So mm-hmm. hard to keep all those glam bands straight. Oh, I don't want a four-player co-op Darksiders game. I want a game where you play as each one through the narrative. Yeah. I don't think we need to make that a co-op game. That was the original plan, really, I guess. Probably. Oh, it was. Probably, I think it was like... Four player, four player Darksiders game, but I think uh, now you would probably want to just do a single player action RPG that has you switch between them. That makes more sense. And finish the game and finish the story. Yep. Okay. Let's move on from THQ Nordic. Probably won't talk about them again for the rest of 2022. Although we might because it is 2022 and there's not a lot of other stuff to talk about. Uh, next, we're going to talk about PlayStation and Sony. It was a big week full of. Small stories coming out of the PlayStation camp, and the first one actually relates to Microsoft and Game Pass. So, Matt, we found out this week that, and again, this is more fallout of these filings that Microsoft is filing to make sure that the acquisition of Activision Blizzard goes through. So more stuff was filed this week, more interesting information came out of those filings, not the least of which was the fact that Microsoft claims that Sony is blocking rights to Game Pass, meaning it is signing deals with video game publishers and developers and saying that if you sign this deal with us, your game cannot appear on Game Pass. How do you feel about that, Matt? I mean, that's business. Exactly. That is good for the goose, good for the gander. If you're going to spend money to keep Activision and Blizzard and Bethesda's games away from PlayStation users, PlayStation can go and money hat all it wants and keep games away from the Xbox user base. It is absolutely fair. The quote from Microsoft is, Our ability to continue expanding Game Pass has been hampered by Sony's desire to inhibit such growth. And this, this comes from an August 9th filing to the Administrative Council for Economic Defense um, from in Portugal. Microsoft continues, Sony pays for blocking rights to prevent developers from adding content to Game Pass and other competing subscription services. And I agree with you, Matt. This is just business as usual. Yep, there's not much you can do about it. I mean, yeah. I doubt Microsoft would have complained about it if they weren't having Sony kind of crawl at them about all this other stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to get in a little bit of a pissing match here, is what bit, it's really coming yeah. down to. I mean, you're basically gonna going for kind of like, see, they do weird shit too, and so everybody should just leave everybody alone, and mm-hmm. we're going to continue doing our weird shit, and they can do with their weird shit, and everybody stop trying to like one-up each other in court. Yep. 
Um, and as a caveat, some documents that were filed in the Epic Games versus Apple trial last year revealed that Microsoft had been considering lowering the revenue split for PC games in exchange for the grant of streaming rights to Microsoft. So hmm. basically, Microsoft is going to PC developers and publishers and saying, you know what? We'll drop your cut on any sales on our platform if you give us this game exclusively for Game Pass. So there is all kinds of little, I mean, basically Microsoft- There's a lot of horse trading going right. on. Microsoft doing the same thing that is complaining about PlayStation doing. So stop whining. It's fair game. PlayStation can do the same exact crap that you're doing. Well, they don't expect them to stop. They're not whining. They're just saying like, hey, like PlayStation's complaining about us doing this. Well, they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just like, you know, I don't think Microsoft expects it to stop. It's just they're saying like, well, my PlayStation's acting like nothing. They're not doing anything wrong here. And they're doing the same thing we're, we're doing. Yeah. Every, it's all, that's just how the business works. Yeah. It's like we were saying before. It's like. How do you think PlayStation got Final Fantasy VII? Yeah. It wasn't just because the tech was better. Yeah. It was because they offered them money. All those games that came out exclusively for PlayStation yeah. back then. Onimusha, all huge, that stuff. Huge financial support. Yep. All which Capcom is, which stuff. It's the only way you could have pulled people away from Nintendo. Nintendo had been the feeding trough for two generations at that point. Yep. Like, no one... You, and everyone... Why did everyone jump over to this unproven other company making the, their first console? Because they had money. Well, because they gave them money to yeah, have money. exclusive And content. Nintendo was famous for making you spend money yep. to, to have the privilege of being on their system. Yeah. Like, that was what happened there. Scorpius Finest asked, do you think Sony is paying publishers more than what Xbox would pay? Why not just those games on PlayStation Plus? No. I don't think Sony's ever going to be able to outspend Microsoft in any way, Probably shape, or form. Not. It They're, just can't. I think they're leaning on the fact that like PlayStation has a larger install base, and you don't want to alienate that player base if mm -hmm. you don't have to. Yeah. Because um, also, you don't know when this Game Pass train's going to end. Right. You know, you might need to be on PlayStation for your sequel or something. It is actually interesting. I wonder how Game Pass is doing during this year, where there aren't any big releases. Has that helped Game Pass, or has that hurt Game Pass? Like. I don't know. I don't know. I would I'm love sure, to see that data. I'm sure Microsoft will never let on. No, it'll never say. No. But that would be fascinating to get a look at that data and see. Mm -hmm. It could be that because there aren't that many games, people are like, you know what? Well, then I'll spend 15 bucks a month to have a whole selection of these B-tier games or whatever, dozens of mm -hmm. them to choose from, instead of trying to pick and choose one game every week to play or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I wish I could look at that data. But it does serve up one or two interesting like things I've never heard of every week or two. Yeah. So like, I played a power it. wash game, Matt. Yeah, I'm still playing that power <laughs> wash really? game once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I just cleaned off a whole treehouse. I have not gone back to it. Um, I have like the best power washer now. Yeah, it really cleans. Yeah, um, <laughs> Zabumafu with Crack Bros says he's unsubscribed from Game Pass. We had there was like a little mini exodus from Game Pass a while ago. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like he was a part of that. I still subscribe to Game Pass. I kind of have to because this is what I do for a living. But I can understand people yeah. checking out. If you're out. just into Game Pass for giving you the big sixty dollars games day one, like sure, yeah. So in his case, I think it's fair game to, to subscribe and unsubscribe as there's stuff you want or don't want. No yeah. matter what it is, you're still going to be paying less than full price for the game. So in his case, like the really slim release calendar drove him away from Game Pass. It did not keep him engaged with Game Pass. So, but again, that's anecdotal, and I would like to see real data on how the service is doing if it's continuing to grow. Um, next up, story from Sony this week. Sony on PC, which is doing very well, um, but they did discover this week that it may be may be required in the future that 
you need to link your PlayStation Network account with the PC version of their games. I'm surprised you don't have to do that already. I am surprised at that. They also... Even Warner Brothers makes you do that. They also data mined the PC version of Marvel's Spider-Man and found that it was supposed to have a multiplayer mode, Matt. Hmm. Does that blow your mind? I don't know what that would have been, but... That, but see, that, to I me... Saw the, I saw the guy who replaced Spider-Man with Kingpin. Yeah. Was playing the game as Kingpin. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Well, that's the awesome part about releasing games for PC is the modding scene will grab a hold of it and do whatever it does. But um, there, it looks like there's supposed to be a multiplayer mode for PC, which also would make sense of why they want you to sign up for PlayStation Network to mm-hmm. link your account so that all that information of you playing Spider-Man Online ends up becoming a part of your PSN account. How do you feel about that? Because my, my guess is, Matt, this is just going to happen eventually. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm surprised it hasn't already happened. Yeah, they couldn't get it ready for this, but it's happening, I would argue. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about that? Do you think that's okay? Do you think people are going to... I don't care. Like, But do you think most people don't care or, or won't care? They'd rather... Pl- if you, it's the only way to play the game, yeah. Yeah. Like, who cares? It is a hoop for people to jump through, and people get salty with hoops. Me. Maybe if the games weren't as good. Yeah. They are. So I think people will just put in their password and be done. Yeah. Um, Also, by the way, Spider-Man, second best-selling PC PlayStation game behind God of War. It's doing very, very well already. It's only been on the market for, what, about a week now? Not even? Yeah, Yeah, not even a week. Yeah. Um, A week tomorrow, I think. Yeah. So it's doing very, very well. Um, Second only to God of War. So it did better than Ghost of Tsushima and... What other games have they released uh, so far? First Horizon. Death Stranding. Death Stranding and the First, first Horizon. Horizon. I mean, it's um, not surprising. It's Spider-Man. Um, Sony Ben's Last, game. Last of Us. Did Last of Us come out? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. Day, I mean, outselling Days, Days Gone. Outselling Days Gone is not an achievement. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how many exclusives are on PC now, though. There's a yeah. lot. I mean, Spider- I mean, Spider-Man should sell that it much. It should. Yeah, because it sold 14 or 15 on its own when it came out. So... Um, it's overall Sony's doing very well on PC, so it's it's bearing out its decision to move its exclusives over to PC. I think the timing is still working out good too. Um, like I don't feel like I was ripped off in any way because these games are coming to PC. There's a nice no. nice enough gap there for me that it's not bothering me. Um, and then finally, the last story related to PlayStation this week is that Call of Duty is still getting early exclusive access yeah, on PlayStation. PlayStation. <laughs> that is not a surprise in any way. I mean, it's not a surprise, but hot damn. Imagine your Xbox, your Microsoft, and that you're working on this deal. You're going back and forth with these regulatory plays, and Sony's like adding their two cents to stuff, and you're squabbling with Sony a little bit. And then when it comes down to it, the most important video game that releases this year, or at least easily the best-selling game that comes out this year, has to, is going to be showcased on your competitor, and you own the company that's making it, and it's going to be showcased first on your competitor's platform. That's crazy. It's contracts. They, I mean, they, I they, totally get they, that. They knew that was going to happen. Of course, like, it's a, still a, insane, though. Not really. There's a lag time there. You, you, you know, these things are planned out and, and signed on the dotted line years in advance. Yeah, I get so that. You, this is, but this has never happened before. This has never happened. This is unprecedented. This is uncharted waters where a company spends, what was it again? Like 
36 billion dollars mm-hmm. on the company and then their next hot game is gonna be like I mean, showcased bought, on your competitors yeah, they bought bethesda and Deathloop still came out on playstation yeah i mean, I mean Deathloop is no call of duty but it's still it's just there's well, a yeah, this whole that. situation has been bizarre but this is the most bizarre like i, they, I don't like exclusive I just, access to the multiplayer beta first on playstation yeah you can't break that contract <laughs> i just don't crazy. i don't think i don't know why that's weird oh it was 68 billion sorry <laughs> That's insane. Imagine spending that much money and having your your biggest product being a bigger deal on your competitor's platform. It's just nuts. It's just never happened. I don't before. understand what you're talking about here. I don't okay. Sure. What do you mean? You just you you're gonna spend sixty eight billion dollars. Yeah, but the things that are already in play and coming out, like you don't it doesn't start over instantly like everything that is in in play and in contract and in in writing has to happen still i get that it still stings it still sucks why you're gonna get everything in like a year and a half like it's all this is all gonna gonna end after like these contracts are up this that's just business that's just how it works i don't know it's not weird to me i don't know what you you mean like it's, like when when Marvel it's never was, happened when, before. Of course it has. When Marvel bought was bought by Disney, Paramount still got to distribute the first Avengers movie. Okay, like it's never happened before in the video game industry. I just this told you first. about Deathloop. Like that happened with Bethesda. Yeah, but this is the biggest game in the industry, Matt. Okay, well, no Death one's ever bought no one's like, ever bought Activision before. Death okay, ended up sure. selling like a million copies. I just don't, under, I don't understand. People, I just don't understand what's particularly shocking about it. It's just. That's the lag time between buying a giant company and getting the benefit of owning that company. I mean, ask Disney about it. They bought Lucas. <laughs> they bought Lucasfilm in what 2012. They didn't get to get any payback on that until Star Wars: Force Awakens came out three years later. Emperor Dread says, "Giving Sony one last hit before cutting them off." That's a good way to put it. Absolutely. I mean, we can set up a situation where Sony has to pay you to put Call of Duty on their platform, and it costs it's more than you'd make, you know, having it only on one platform. I guess that's a win. I can't imagine Sony swallowing their ego enough to do that. Yeah. It's a big deal, Matt. I just don't think it is. It is. Why? It's it's completely <laughs> I just expe- spelled it out for you. It's completely expected and what they have to legally do. Why is it a big I don't understand what you're talking about there. It's it, they have to do it. It's there's there was no there's no surprise here. It sucks. If you're Microsoft, Why? it sucks. You're, then you're going to get like 50 to 100 years of pure yourself benefit from it. This is just lag time on the This thing. is one year of a game that sells 20 some million copies. And then they're going to get they're going to get infinite years of it after that. So who cares? Uh, anyway. They have to, otherwise they wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be allowed to make the sale. Like they have to do this. I don't I don't I don't like there's no choice here. It's not particularly weird. Well, we'll just agree to disagree on that one. But anyway, you are getting exclude if you're a PlayStation owner, you are getting first exclusive access to Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 before it's on Xbox. I saw somebody posted something about the campaign access. Um, Vincent says, related to COD, they announced today that people who pre-order on digital platforms will get the campaign a week early. That's crazy. Hmm. I never heard that before, but the way that they're building these games now, where they're all their own modular pieces, because now you can download only the parts of Call of Duty that you want. So you don't have to... I do appreciate that, considering how big they've gotten. Well, yeah, because they're like 200 gigs when it's all said and done. So that now has afforded them the ability to just release the campaign by itself and use that as like a leverage to get you to pre-order or whatever. So interesting how also that is not happening. super shocking if the campaign's done way before the multiplayer. Yeah. But. Well, they, they'll want to go through the betas and stuff to figure out bugs and other issues and get feedback from the players and all the 
all that other stuff. So, um, Shneeky says, when will Microsoft own Activision? Will the Xbox logo appear on PS5? Meaning, hmm. No. Microsoft's logo might appear. Like, at the beginning of the game. When the game the, boosts the, up, it'll say Microsoft Game Studios. Not this one. Not this one. But like actually, maybe, maybe the next one. It would have, it'd have to go through. Yeah. yeah, it's not gone through yet, but like so maybe maybe next year definitely the 2025 one it would have Microsoft or, right or it. maybe for Warzone two. Eventually, you, you might have it. to add that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Otherwise, it'll still be status quo for this game for this year. Because either that or they they might be able to negotiate something where you just see the Activision Blizzard logo still. That's true. Although, if I were Microsoft, I would push for freaking Microsoft Game Studios. I don't think Microsoft cares, but. It's weird that you would spend that much money on something and not care about well, what you're getting, what, about my, the pin action you get off of it. I mean, no one ca- no one cares about the logos at the beginning of a game. Does Minecraft have the logo? I don't know. That's on PlayStation, That's a good question, right? actually. I don't know. I don't play my. I haven't played Minecraft in like no, I haven't started, 15 years. I don't think I even have Minecraft on play, uh, PlayStation. Supermaster Gamer says my, Minecraft has a Microsoft logo. All right. Yeah. Yep. And all previous CODs on Game Pass. Yeah, they'll have to go back and like retrofit all this stuff too, I wonder. No, I don't think they will. Huh. There's just all these things nobody that are happening with that. this that like we haven't really had to consider before. Like nobody had to go back and put the Marvel Studios logo or the Disney logo on the Marvel movies that were made when Paramount was distributing them. So like if you watch like new versions of those on a streaming service or whatever, they haven't like changed the opening logos. I don't think so. Yeah, that, you, it costs a lot to go back. And you got to change does. the you got to change the the runtime. You got to up. Really, most people don't care. Yeah. It's like, like they, nobody, no one gives a shit. Like, I mean, there was talk about, uh, about Elliot Page going back and changing his name on the old X-Men movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I was like, nope, that doesn't happen. Like Gaming fanboys, they're a different breed, though, Kyle. Yeah, like, there no, are fanboys who will get mad seeing, like, Microsoft Game Studios on their PlayStation. Yeah, but they don't, need to, they don't like need to worry about it because no one's going to bother to go back and do that. <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, those are the big stories coming out of PlayStation camp this week. Nothing gigantic, just a bunch of smaller stuff. And just more squabbling, really, between Xbox and PlayStation when it comes down to it. This is such a monumental acquisition that it feels like everyone's just, like, swinging in the dark, trying to figure out how to navigate it and how things are going to work and what is going to happen and what isn't going to happen. Yeah, and not Scorpio's the least of which, Finest does know there's a, there's a PlayStation logo on the MLB, the show. There is, yep. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Turn and I'm sure Microsoft's like turnabout's fair play, bitches. <laughs> like we just spent all that money. We're gonna put our logo up there. It'll be interesting to see how people react to this stuff when it finally does start happening. Because you're right, we still have like another year really before we're really gonna start seeing mm. a lot of the big changes. I mean, it hasn't gone through yet. Right. Yeah. And won't by the time this Call of Duty comes yeah. out anyway. I'm after seeing a lot of this stuff, how they're going back and forth, I don't think it's gonna go through this year. Like I think we're gonna it's gonna go into next year before I think it will. I think they'll get clear I think they'll get clearance by October, November, but it won't, you know, the gears of that stuff move slowly. They do. So yeah. I think it would be probably next year before everything's done, paid for, finalized, the stamps are on all the papers kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Um but I think they'll get approval near the end of this, you know, this fall. Yeah. There's not a lot to approve at this point. It's just sort of like Sony took their shot and Microsoft's got to make their shot back. And that's that. that. That's that. Yeah. Yep. Um, Okay. So that's it for PlayStation. All the big stories from this week. And there were a handful. Next up and last for episode 312, Matt has been playing a game this week that I did not get to spend any time with. It is a game called the Diofield Chronicle. Diofield. Diofield Chronicle. I only know that because that's how they say it in the game. 
Named after the uh, satanic rocker from the 80s. Ron Sadly, no. <laughs> I don't actually know why it's called that. It's just the name of the island it takes place on, oh. which is a fake uh, England. Diofield is the name D- of the island? Diofield. Diofield Island. And then there's like a central field and a south field and a north field. Um, did a you lot know, of fields. Did you know that Dio's logo, if you turn it upside down, says devil? Sure. <laughs> it's for real. That is one of those things from the 80s that actually was true. It does say devil if you turn Dio upside down, his logo. Just a little anecdote for you there. But anyway, back to Dio Field Chronicle. This is coming out on September 22nd, and there is a free demo mm-hmm. out for everything right now, right? Yeah. And you've been playing the demo, yeah. and it's a strategy RPG. It, it feels like 2022 is the year of the strategy RPG. There's a lot of that. It just yeah. seems like there's just one after another. Um, I do wonder if Mostly there's a, from Square. Yeah. I do wonder if there's a market for all these games. Seems to be. I mean... What sets Square, this one apart? Uh, it's real-time strategy. Um, so it, it's like... Imagine if Final Fantasy Tactics was real-time. Okay. So you're up to command... So you got you, you got a strategy set up. You've got the different jobs, and you got the... Yeah, that's all there. But the way you do it is you... You basically it plays like a real-time strategy game you click on a character and you have to tell them to move here and you can like give them waypoints to move and who to attack and you send them in and they all move at the same time and you can sort of freeze them if you click on them but otherwise everybody's just sort of moving and the and the combat happens like everybody stands there and whacks at each other like in a real-time strategy game and that's kind of it then you can you can freeze time to use skills and abilities um and then so wait it's not very granular is what you're saying it's like you just send your guys over to that group of enemies and they just kind of yeah, automatically I mean, need, duke it out i mean you need to like like there's certain characters that are tanks and can take damage and there's that you have like provoke moves and like you know it's a little mmoe and you know, again mm-hmm. there's characters that do better if you send them around the back there's like you get bonus damage like in final fantasy tactics for you know ambush from behind um so if you can get one to get them to pay attention to one guy and then send everybody else behind them you'll be doing bonus damage to them and then their skills can kind of like you know knock the guys back so positioning is important also getting them all on one side of you is important so there's a number of skills that can not do knockbacks of groups so you can get all the, the group instead of they're all kind of gather around you, you kind of pull one guy back do this this move the charge move knocks them all back this way so now all four of them are in front of you so you don't have to like worry about them hitting you in the back because that hurts you more um and that's basically it like that it's um it's a little hard to manage at times just because of how are you playing with a controller controller yeah on, on how's Xbox. that going it's fine but yeah. it's you know there are times i'd rather have a mouse but since everything kind of stops moving when you click on things it's not that, that bad helps. yeah um and also it's not that hard um so far uh yeah i mean i'm pretty far into it but like and like the, some of the side missions get a little harder in the sense that like to get through it with all the you know your obje- you usually have bonus objectives where it's like okay finish the thing but also like don't let anybody get knocked out um, you can revive them if they get knocked out, but you don't get the bonus for not getting anybody knocked out. Uh, do it in this amount of time. That's the one thing that I think is interesting is like, um, it feels like the missions take longer than they do because you're constantly juggling all these characters all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I'm like, oh my God, this mission's gone on forever. And then I get, then I get the bonus for completing the mission in under four minutes. I'm like, that was less than four <laughs> minutes. Like, what the? You think they're fudging the clock maybe? No, the clock's running there all, yeah. the, all up in the corner the whole time. I mean, huh. it doesn't run when you're, you're paused and are looking for, you know, skills and moves and stuff. But it, 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 you, it feels like it takes longer because you are spending a lot of time like kind of, micromanaging everything right um but in general it's not like you're not going to run into things that really just like steamroll you very often even the boss fights are, are pretty manageable once you get the, the right skills in place 
Um, and once you get the, the heal, the first healer, uh, she she really changes the game. Um, and you can upgrade. There's a bunch of skill trees. Like, like you go back to a, a home base and walk around the home base and talk to everybody. And there's you get side quests in that. And you you can like upgrade all the stuff there, the shop and the training place and the, li- the library. You can go to r- the, the research stuff and get smarter. Um, a lot of s- stuff like that. And there's a really cool war table. Like you can go and pick stuff, pick your different missions on. That's fun. Um, it's very very story heavy. Um, voiced by a bunch of British stage actors, I'm going to guess, because mm-hmm. it's all British accents. And all the characters are like, they're all named things like Chesterworth, like Wessex Field. And <laughs> so it's like they're, they're all named like very dense British names. You can't names. remember like, most of Very names. English names. And I'm like, I don't remember anyone's name because they're all named these weird words. And, like, <laughs> This guy, one guy's name is like Lichfield or something. You're like, that's uh-huh. not a word. That's a place. You just looked at a map of England and was like, that's his name. Like, fuck. <laughs> um, and then like you've got this like charge thing where like this little amulet orb thing you have charges up every time you do stuff and hit things and do skills and stuff. And when it fills up the little glowing or like, glowing slots in the orb, you can use a summon. When the first summon you have is Bahamut. Um, because it's square. Of course, this yeah. is basically a Final <laughs> Fantasy Tactics uh, uh, spiritual successor with a serial number filed off. Oh. To the point that I'm beginning to wonder... Why didn't they just make a Final Fantasy Tactics Well, that's game? what I'm... I'm beginning to wonder if sometimes... Because this seems to happen. Like, they make like a... Square puts out or publishes like a thing that's like... You, this could have been a Final Fantasy game, but it's not. And I'm beginning to wonder if it's just like... If it's easier to make something that is everything but the name. So you don't have to deal with like Nomura. The fanboys. No, not the fanboys. <laughs> not the fanboys. The people in Square have been there forever and think they control they the it. franchise. Right. Like, yeah. You know, if you don't call this Final Fantasy Tactics, you can just do whatever you, you want. You can just make the game you want to. Yeah, but yeah. you've still got the Final Fantasy summons in this right like right you know and it's just like final fantasy tactics the dragon flies in over it pulls out you see the big square battlefield and really blows a big wow. chunk out of it and like okay. that's that um i think i think some people's ears just perked up with so the last like 90 seconds here of your description of this game also in the in how uh, it's very political and very military focus you know in the same way that final fantasy tactics is you know a character driven story told through you know a, a war and a political negotiation thing and all that and there's a lot of fun there's fun stuff like that and like there's the one girl you get who's the 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 sorceress is um she's a noble but her whole family's been killed so she joins you because she has nowhere else to go but she still is a noble and at one point you're having trouble with like a duke guy or something and you can go to her and be like hey can you help at all she's like yeah i'll pull some strings and like after the next mission you come back and she's like oh i had my uncle like execute the guy who was giving you a problem and they're like oh that's very efficient thank you it's like so stuff like that um uh so it's cool and like you you upgrade you know you have a skill tree for each class um, there's a bunch of different classes, and you get more as you go. Uh, you have a bunch of uh, ability upgrades for each individual character. So the classes cover everyone who is that type of character. Um, and you can have different ones. So like there's like this girl, uh, Islair, and uh, the main guy, whose name I can't remember, are both like blue. They're both like tanky classes. Uh-huh. But she is more of an axe, fi- or a sword and shield fighter, and he is a, a, has a longsword. So he's more of a 
Andreas, that's right. He, he has more of like a thief element to it, but he can tank. It's mm. interesting. So like early on, I thought he was, I thought I was supposed to be backstabbing with him and tanking with the the cavalier, the guy on the horse. Uh-huh. But the guy on the horse is actually the weakest one. What? He's supposed to run around the periphery and charge through and do damage from behind and like 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 pick at the enemy. Interesting. While while the blue guy, like the other guys, like kind of hold their attention. And once I figured that out, uh, the guy on the horse died a lot less. So. <laughs> So that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so you can kind of leave like the tanky guys sort of uh, fighting, and then you kind of you know I tend to control the horse guy more and like ride him around there, and then do a charge move through, and then come back around and hit from the back, and that kind of thing. Like it kind of works, and like you can take on pretty big groups at once. What's the objective of the game? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, well, you're a bunch of mercenaries working for some like dandy dude who I'm going to guess doesn't last long because his character design is not as elaborate as yours. <laughs> so I feel at some point Andreas is going to end up running the, running the show. Uh-huh. But basically you are on the equivalent of uh, like the island of England, the island of Great Britain, and they go, you're near a continent, a big, bigger continent, which is basically Europe, and there is a war going on on the continent between what seems to be a fake version of the German of a German Empire and a Spanish Empire, and they're clashing and fighting, and they're all everyone's running out of resources. There's this resource in in this world called jade, which is what you use to power like sorcery and stuff, uh-huh. and they're running out of it on in your in the mainland. You're summoning right here, right? Yeah, there's Bahamut. You're running out of it in the mainland, but this island, which is more or less peaceful, despite some clashing here and there. Uh, has a lot of it. So both of the empires at war are sort of looking towards Diofield. Yeah. And being like, mm. and so like this is sort of like they're starting to, your mercenary group that gets brought in with like a noble group because they're starting to notice that there's more and more uprisings of bandits and they're more organized. I think there's like mainland forces like organizing them from behind the scenes so they're trying to root that out and that's what the, this is the first chapter, the demo is the first chapter of the game and that is basically what you're doing because you are, um, there's also a whole thing where like they sacked. Like it was ten years ago. Uh, you start with you were you were uh, not the girl, but the two guys. They were like attendants to the prince of of this one this kingdom uh, in the east, I think, of Diofield, and they were attacked by I don't remember what. And the prince gets away, but then they track them down and ambush them and kill the prince, who's like. 12, 10 or 11 or oh. something and they're they're very young then too mm-hmm. and the prince basically says, says makes these are their, they were his friends and his kind of retainers and he like says you know you know keep them you know save the world or you know don't don't stop being noble or fighting for what you know my we my my father believed in even though we're gone so they've kind of been in the woods you see this is where they first show up where like these this 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 woman who is sort of actually one of the strategists for that that group doing that is ambushed by all these bandits and and your guys jump in and you, you know, the first mission is saving her mm-hmm. from that and she's like you're very good at that you should come with me and work for us and so you do and so they have some kind of agenda in there where like they need to figure out what happened who did that and who betrayed the prince and all they've, they've got kind of like a ongoing vengeance thing and they think this might get them closer to it so that's part of why they join up so uh, there is okay. a personal mission there gotcha, to figure gotcha. out what happened there but you're also sort of caught up in this huge multi like continent size war thing where like the war that's on the mainland europe might be coming to this island because they have resources they want i'll say this this looks way more interesting than some of the more recent square strategy rpgs we've been getting yeah it's 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 
it's fresh. I'll give it that. Like it's like I, I do think it's I'm juggling a little too much with the real time thing once in a while, but I've never felt completely like overwhelmed by it. I'm mm-hmm. playing on normal. There's there's an easier mode which I haven't tried. Which permadeath I in this? Uh, no. When they fall, when they fall, they just say, "Oh no!" And like you can go over and re- revive them. And if you don't revive them in time, they just come back. What's up with the demo? Um, how big is it? Um. I mean, I played it for a long time, for a while, and you can go back and, and replay stuff to grind a little bit, which is helpful if you're having trouble with some of the side, the side quests tend to be harder than the main quest so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can grind on, you get a, eventually you get a, like a separate table in the HQ that lets you replay old missions, so you can go back and get stuff you missed, or, because there's treasure chests sometimes, and, and bonus objectives that you can go back and get and get you know re- resources and extra skill points and stuff. Yeah. Um, so when you do that, you can you level up probably about one level per, per mission. Okay. So you can get you can out level the game a little bit if you want to want to grind a bit. Uh, but I would say the the demo is probably eight hours. Seven, oh wow. Seven or eight hours took me. Wow. And you can import the save. Yeah. The save and it. You can if you buy the final game it. Yeah. takes your save and you mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like that fire the fire emblem warriors demo it's like oh yeah. i got a lot of this i got a lot out of this that's you know, insane like, eight hours that's a long you're time you're definitely gonna know whether you want the whole game or not yeah once you're done i like that we're getting more demos yeah. like this where it's not even like this 45 minute or one level or whatever it's like you know what we're gonna give you a big chunk of this game because we're confident that the, the game itself is big enough that this chunk you're not gonna feel like you played half the game whenever you play the final game um, I just love that these publishers are starting to help equip uh, players mm-hmm. with the knowledge that they need to know whether they want to buy stuff or not. It's great. Eight hours demo. That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Or even saying it took him five hours. I did a little more replaying of stuff to get all the objectives. But it stuff. does eventually end. Yeah, it does. At the end of chapter one is the end of the demo. But then you could keep going back and replaying the missions if you yeah. wanted to, right? You yeah. Can go, you can go by replay. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is is this coming to switch? I don't remember. I don't. I, forgot, I, think so. I did not write it down in my notes. Unfortunately, I think it's coming to everything. I think it's PC, PlayStation, like Xbox, it. and Switch. I mean, I don't see any reason it wouldn't go to Switch. Yeah, it should run okay on. Might Switch. run better on Switch because you could use touch the touch screen. Looks like Chad is saying, "Yeah, it's coming to Switch," which is good. I guess um, the only thing is like there's you you can use the shoulder buttons to switch between the different characters, but like you're not switching between them. You can't switch between them to then activate the move feature. You switch. You switch between them to put the cursor on them. Then you hit the A button, and then you'll pull up the move option. Oh, okay. The only way to move to between them while you're paused is if you're doing the skill screen. You can mm-hmm. switch between them with the skills. The skills have an interesting thing where they, they all have cooldown and they all have you know technique points you use. And then battlefields tend to have little orbs of technique points, health, and stuff that you can pick up and um, replenish that over the course of the game. I've never really felt like I was, like, I used all my resources and I was stuck with it for mm-hmm. the rest of the day. They usually give you enough stuff to feel like you have enough to work with, especially before boss battles. Yeah. And some of the boss battles are hefty. They're like, tough. Like, the bo- at least the first one, I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, like, and you have the, you have the tools to delay them and to stun them. Like, you definitely have to use conditions to like stop them from doing the you know they'll, they'll do the big wind up thing you see like the area where they, the 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 spell or the attack's gonna hit and you got to move everybody out of the way mm-hmm. um, so that's all in play uh, it works yeah like it's cool like I will probably go ahead and convert to the full game when when late September comes 
Well, it sounds like the game, if they're going to give you eight hours or five hours or whatever, the game's got to be bi- like big. Yeah, I w- this, they're definitely going for an epic uh, epic tale here, so I, I wouldn't surprise me if it was very, very big. And again, this comes out September 22nd, mm-hmm. so there's still over a month away before the final version comes out. I'm sure we'll come back and both of us will tackle it whenever it comes out. Um, but I'm excited to play this now, yeah. having talked with you about it. Yeah. So. I liked it. It is a little fiddly, just in the sense of the real-time thing, but once you get your head around... A, how it works, and B, which character is who. Like, early on, the, the girl and Andreas are a little hard to tell apart because they're both tiny, skinny, dark characters, yeah. you know, um, in, in black armor, basically. But eventually, you kind of get it. And um, you get more characters you go. Like, there's an archer and a... And a basically, and then, like, once you get... You can have four characters on the field, and then each character can have a... Uh, I think it's an attendant or something. So you can assign a character you don't have out active as attendant to them. And then they can they can contribute special moves to that oh. character. So even though like I I, I put uh, Izzy on um, on Andrea Andreas, so he can still use her shield bash stun move. Uh, like I pick that, and she just pops out and goes, "Take this!" and like hits him with the, with the oh. shield. So you can still use moves from the character that's not on the from field. other classes too. Yeah. <coughs> so that's so cool. that's so that's handy. Yeah. Um, and kind it's of, a little bit like Xenoblade Chronicles Three. A little bit, yeah. You get those, those synergies going, mm-hmm. and they still they don't make get as much XP, but they get some. So you're yeah. not leaving them behind. So they actually will, if you use their abilities, they also will level up a little bit. They'll level up just from completing the mission. Oh, yeah, but, okay. but they don't like like they get like I think like half or something. So you're at least not they're not not falling super behind basically. Okay. And then of course you can replay missions, so you can just go back and pull out all the characters you're not using and put them through some missions and keep them back. If you would decide you want to, oh, I'd rather have that character come out now. Well, this demo, being able to replay the missions, you could build like a beast of a squad Yeah, I mean, you to def- launch into the, the full game. There's definitely diminishing returns at some point there. Like, clearly, they, mm-hmm. you know, once you get up in the, the high teens, you're probably not going to level too, up too, too much further without wasting a lot of your time. Okay. But uh, you can definitely do enough to get through all the stuff in this, in this demo. And to hit the ground running when you play the final game, too. Yeah. In more ways than one ultimately awesome so there you go that's dio field chronicle available for all platforms coming out on september 22nd and with that it's time for a lot of you's favorite part of game face it is time for as i said the beginning of the show we still have not had the winner from last week approach me about their free game. He said he didn't want a game. Oh, he said he doesn't, he doesn't want it. He just wanted to win. Okay. He just wanted the bragging rights. Okay. Well, the person who wins today will have the choice of winning the game or leaving the game behind, but you will definitely have the option of winning a free game if you can beat Matt Kyle at Name That Game. The game is very simple. I show you five screenshots from a game. Your objective is to just name the game. Uh, there are some caveats. We put the chat on slow mode, which I see Vincent just did right now. An Emperor Dread guest Body Harvest. <laughs> Funny part was I just went back this week and watched somebody play har- Body Harvest on YouTube because I had got to a point in that game where I was stuck and I was never able to finish it. My character had gotten, I had flown a plane onto this little island and crashed. And the plane was crashed out and... You can't swim. And I was trapped on this little dinky out. I was never able to finish the game. So I went back and watched somebody else play it to see the end of the game just this week. Just for you, Emperor Dread. Hmm. Um, but anyway, we put the chat on slow-mo. So you can't just 
start rattling off names of games hoping that you guess it right. So make your guesses count. You only get one every 60 seconds. So generally how it is, the first, I try to make it so it's harder to guess it first, but you guys are so damn good at this thing. Like I really have no idea when you guys are gonna guess the names of these games. You guys are very good, very impressive what you guys do, uh, name that game every week. Um, but the objective is to beat Matt. You guys win all ties. Um, so if Matt guesses the name of the game, I'll look over, I'll give you guys a beat or two. If you guys guess it in that beat or two, then you get the win over Matt. We want to give you guys free games. I hate to say it, but I want you guys to beat Matt. So that's just how it works. Um, with that, I think that's everything. Also, if you've won, do not play. If you won last year, it's okay to play again. But if you've won at any point in 2022, do not play. Do not put hints in the chat. Do not type anything. Just sit back and chill or play the free game that you won when you won earlier. See? Okay. Jose Holiday already gets Congress bad for a day. No, you're wrong. Uh, Swanland says it's never going to be Body Harvest now. I wouldn't say that. You never know. You guys ready? Pretty sure though. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty certain it's not going to be Body Harvest because that would. I have to wait for him to not show up for a live show or something. Uh, okay, are you guys ready? Are you ready, Matt? Sure. Okay, here is the first screenshot for episode three twelve. Name that game. Go. Let's see if you guys guess it with the first one. With that, that texture, that's really all it is. Yeah. See if you can figure I mean, out what it does. It look familiar with the raised uh, brick on the side. Oblivion, no. That was Emperor Dread's guess after Body Harvest. Hmm. Kingpin, no. Dishonored, no. Elder Scrolls Four, no. That is Oblivion. Borderlands One, no. Red Dead Redemption Two, no. Dishonored One, no. No guesses, Matt. Not really. Breath of the Wild, no. Assassin's Creed Unity, no. Okay, looks like we're gonna make it to the second image. And here it is. Nightmare Creatures, no. Hmm. I'll give you a pretty good hint on this one. Somebody should be able to get it from this one. But maybe not. Rage 2, no. Not Cirque. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, buddy. <laughs> uh, Crystal Pony's Tail, no. Pharaoh Doll, it is not. Well, maybe that hint in there isn't, uh, isn't good enough. Cowboys, no. And you're not supposed to be guessing, Sneaky. Borderlands 3, no. Red Faction, no. That's a good guess, though, Red Fox. Yeah. All right, it looks like no one's gonna get it from the second image. We're moving on to image three. And here it is. Crimson Sky, no. Outer Worlds, no. Van Helsing, no. Hmm. Interesting guess. Xenoblade, nope. Final Fantasy 14, nope. Shinobi, nope. Persona 4, nope. I recognize that green orb back there, but I can't place it. 
All right, let's go on to the next image. This one I think will give it away. And here it is. Arkham Asylum, no. Oh, is that Alice Madness Returns? No, not Alice Madness Returns. Devil May Cry, no. Or just American McGee's Alice. You guys should get it. You, you guys should get it. DMC, no. Luigi's Mansion 3, no. Saints Row 3, no. C-Note 51 just got it. Persona 5. Someone was mm. so close with Persona 4 earlier. Emperor Dread. Wait. No, he did win last week. Okay. You were close, Emperor Dread, but no, it is fa it is Persona 5. I thought the last image would give it away because it just shows you like the, the battlefield for Persona 5, basically. Yeah, and there's so. only like four different ones in the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is the last image to, to completely give it away. And you can see Anne's hair is in the bottom right there. I figured just seeing that little patch of blonde plus her alter ego would be enough to give it away. But there you go. We have a winner, C-Note 51. Congratulations, man. Here's your round of applause. Congratulations on guessing Persona 5. I knew I recognized that hat. I wouldn't have got that. Okay. But we made it to the fourth image. That's pretty good. I'll take that. That's a win for me all day, every day. Uh, C-Note 51, send us a DM here on Twitch, um, at Sifted Games. You can send me a DM on Twitter, at Dinfire. You can send a DM to Sifted on Twitter, at Sifted Games. You can send me a DM on Sifted, at Shane. However you want. Just uh, get at us, and we'll send you the code for your free game. Congratulations once again. That's awesome. And now we have some time for Q&A. Oh, people giving me props. I'm going to put that up on the screen because I don't get props from people very often on Game Face. You guys are usually giving me grief all the time. People are giving me props for a couple good name that games in a row. I'm just starting to be more of a jerk, honestly, is what it's really come down to. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not going to let you guess it on the first two images is what I've really decided. It's like, if you can spot like a texture and that places the game like what happened with Rage more power to you if you can do that then spot kudos. that mega texture yeah spotting that mega you know what matt i went home and i started looking through other screenshots of rage there is not another screenshot with that texture in it anywhere hmm. i because that that particular like group of trash that's ever that scrap is everywhere it still blows my mind i went and looked at screenshot after screenshot i could not find another shot with that hmm. in it but his brain just boom picked up on it right away amazing you guys are amazing at this and thank you guys for the kind words, because I do put in a lot of effort into this, but I have also learned to get over it and not get devastated if you guys guess it on the first one anymore. Uh, Norix Nessie, thank you for Twitch Prime. The Legacy, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys are awesome, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, let's get to some questions here before we head out for another week. Bring you guys up on screen so everybody can see. Uh, the Legacy... What is the worst, I'm assuming, game you've played? Is anything worse than 13 or Silent Hill 2? Oh, God, yes. Yes. Worse than Silent Hill 2 is one of the greatest <laughs> games ever made. What are you talking about? 
Uh, I mean, the worst game I've played, I mean, big rigs, over-the-road racing. Yeah, I mean, that's a standard. It just was broken. It wasn't finished. Yeah. You could just fly off the world. In like, terms of things that were released and put in a box on a shelf, big rigs, over-the-road racing is yeah. hard, to, hard to beat. It's probably the worst game ever. Superman 64, one of the worst uh, games ever. It's Drake just and bad. The, Drake and the 99 Dragons That was terrible. bad. Yep, all-time bad. Um, I mean, Ballon Wonderland, that was the worst game in recent memory that we've played. Definitely maybe, worse than a maybe two games he shared. Vincent suggests maybe he means worst remake. Oh. Because Silent Hill 2 did have a terrible remake. I don't remember that. The Silent Hill Collection. Oh, they remade it for that? I mean, it was a remaster, oh, but like they okay. ruined the fog, and you, right. you, the world just ended <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Worst remake. Worth remake remaster. remaster. Um, I mean, in terms of effort, like those Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance games are just, yeah. they barely are up-resed. I mean, and they still play fine. They're fine games, but like... I think what's messing with me is that when they remaster a game, or when they remake it especially, it generally makes the game better than it was before. So I don't file that away as a bad game. Yeah, but there are, like, bad remasters. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, that Silent Hill collection's bad. Yeah. Um, hmm. There aren't a lot, though. I mean, there's remasters that don't do much. They just sort of make it playable on a modern platform like the Dark Alliance games. But yeah. But it's not like those games are, are bad because of it. They're just sort of like, oh, you could have done more. Mm -hmm. um, Mega Drive, I mean, the, guy, thank you the, for the The Super Mario 3D collection is pretty bad. In it that is. Regard. Like yeah, it's, they're just it's barely, just a really low, barely slapped up there. I don't yeah. think Mario Sunshine had an invert Y option. It's a low it effort. Like it was just yeah. low effort. That's yeah. a good example. Yeah. Uh, okay. Recharging me for the virtual console three generations in a row. How about that? Yeah. Uh, from Norks Nessie ninety four. Do you think that Sony will have a games showcase or a state of play in September like they did last year? Uh, we're kind of overdue for something. There should probably be another game, God of War showcase. At the very at least, point. there'll yeah. be something where they blow out God of War. Um, but that comes in November, so that could be October where they do that. Yeah. So, or it could even be November. They could do it like two weeks before the game comes out or whatever. Maybe I wouldn't hold my breath. I wouldn't count on it because nobody has games to show. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. Even a lot of the games that were in the THQ Nordic Digital Showcase, most of those games had been shown a year ago or three years ago, and they were just catching up on games that they had already shown. So there's just not a lot of fodder. I mean, we're really going to see next week with Gamescom just how bad it is. That will be the barometer. That's the 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 thermometer going under the armpit right there is what what happens at gamescom next week then we'll know just how bad the industry is behind as far as like having new content ready to go but next year's gonna be awesome <laughs> uh swanland will you be talking about cult of the lamb next week <laughs> doubtful for me because i'll be playing roller drome here over the next couple days and then over the weekend i'm gonna be matt in madden land so um, I'll be playing a lot of Madden. I'm getting review code for that early. So I probably won't be able to play it. And honestly, the reviews for it haven't been amazing. They haven't been bad. Yeah, I looked at it, but I'm just like, mm. didn't yeah. really, I mean, I know everybody's, there's like, there's a following, but mm -hmm. did not look particularly interesting to me. Me either. Um, Zabumafu with the Crack Bros. In a world where Nintendo didn't back out from Sony, how would Sony influence Nintendo? So I guess he's saying if Nintendo didn't back out of the deal that it had with Sony to make a console, mm -hmm. 
how would Sony still have had an impact on Nintendo? They wouldn't have. They, they wouldn't have had creative input on anything from Nintendo. Nintendo would have guarded that for themselves. Well, I think if they had continued to make the console themselves, it would have probably been a cartridge-based console. No, it was going to be a CD. That's where the PlayStation. Oh, it was going to be. Yeah, even though Nintendo was going to be. a That's CD what based Sony console? was making for them. Was a, was a, originally a CD-based add-on for the Super Nintendo, and then Nintendo decided they wanted to go in a different direction with the Ultra sixty four hardware and basically cut Sony loose, and Sony was not happy about that, and that's how the PlayStation was born. Yeah. So if that had all gone through, I don't think Sony would have influenced Nintendo at all because Sony would have purely just been making hardware for them. Well, I think Nintendo would have probably not gone to a cartridge then. It would probably continued from yeah. that point making all CD-based consoles. Yeah, but like, I'm, I'm, if he means like Sony's influence on Nintendo would have been nothing, like other than they make this part of our console for us. You know, it's like saying, does you know, was it like AMD influenced Nintendo? Like, it's it's they don't. But he's saying if Nintendo went through with it and did the deal for the disc-based console, how would that influence Nintendo's future? And I, it would, I think it would, instead of doing a cartridge-based console, it would continue of doing disc-based consoles from then on. Yeah, but I don't consider that an influence of Sony. That's just a choice Nintendo made would have made differently. That's Sony not because not of Sony, Sony though. Because well, no, Sony they, was no, pushing they, for the disc-based. Well, no, console. they hired Sony to do that. That was Nintendo's choice. Right. Like Sony's not influencing them. They are work for hire. Like there's no influence from Sony. That's why Nintendo decided differently and then cut them loose. And then Sony's like, that's not fair. Like, well, but I think if Nintendo had gone through with the CD-based console, it would have, after it launched it, it would have realized, oh, this was the right decision because we can hold so much more data now. Oh, sure. But that's not Sony influencing Nintendo. Like, Sony's just making the product. So it wasn't PlayStation's idea to have a disc-based console. No. It was Nintendo's idea. Nintendo was doing that basically to compete with the to potentially compete with Sega CD. Oh. And when Sega CD gotcha. was not exactly setting the world on fire, I think that was a large part of Nintendo's decision to go cartridge for the next one because they owned the means of production for cartridges. They did not own the, you know, uh, what was it? Sony's, Sony and was it Pioneer? Like, co-owned the rights to make CDs mm -hmm. at the time? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nintendo. No, it was Panasonic. Panasonic. Like, yeah. yeah. So that was. I mean, a lot of that was just Nintendo wanting to keep control of things. They oh did, yeah. You know, they didn't I mean, want. That's wanna... why it stayed with cartridges. Yeah. Because it was the only one who could manufacture the cartridges. Yeah. So there's no influence from Sony there. Really, yeah. it's just Nintendo was like, well, maybe we should do this. No, we'd rather do this, and that was that. And if they stuck with it, Sony would have just been a provider of hardware, the same way like AMD or or Nvidia would be. Like Nvidia is not influencing anyone really. Yeah. They're just making the chips. Um, especially Nintendo. Nintendo's not going to let some outsider company give them, you know, influence on what their games should be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't think it would have been anything. I think, if anything, I think maybe after the N sixty four, a disc based N sixty four, Nintendo Nintendo would have shifted to making their own discs, sort of like what they did with GameCube, where they they made a disc based system, but, but it still had to be weird. It still had to be proprietary. Yeah, still had they to have control. some proprietary thing they could control for piracy and control. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, okay, next question. We have some time for a couple more here. Um, here's one from, actually, Mega Drive Guy. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Vincent, which is more exciting for you? Opening Night Live, which is Jeff Keighley's thing, which is happening next Tuesday, or Disney Showcase in September, notably with the first look at the Amy Henning Marvel game? It's Opening Night Live. For a couple reasons for me. I, as I said earlier, I think Gamescom is going to be a barometer to show us where mm -hmm. the industry is right now. Um... So I'm interested in that. Obviously, Keeley gets big games for his events, so I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to just see what happens with Gamescom in the middle of a pandemic if people show up. Like they will. 
I think they will, but it's Dis- probably a really terrible idea. Disney for me. <laughs> Disney for you? For sure. Yeah. This is Marvel and it's specifically Marvel and Star Wars. And yeah. I want to I'm way more interested in that than the 90% like shovelware crap that's going to be in opening night live. Well, I will say this, Jeff's last event was filled with filler. So mm-hmm. I would definitely set my expectations down. I'm sure there'll be interesting stuff in there, but like I star Wars and Marvel are two things I care about a lot. And I'm very curious what the living hell they're going to finally fricking do with some of these things. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like both of those properties have, have languished in the video yeah. game department. So Agreed. I'm curious to see if they have an actual plan going forward. So we'll see. Yep. I, I totally understand that perspective from your perspective. Um, sneaky, Charlotte snake, Tony Hawk was on a podcast talking about working with Microsoft they have every single Tony Hawk game ready to go, minus one and two, but the issue is music rights. Skaters are on board. They can release the games without the music, but the Backlash remake one and two got missing a few tracks. They decided not to. You think in 2022 with Spotify, etc., that music in these games even matters? Um, why do people want to hear the same 20 songs over and over? I always turn music off in these games the second I boot it. Okay, well, I disagree with you there. Um, same. I, but I think, well, I, mean, like, I think a lot of people that grew up or like were a certain age when Tony Hawk, the first Tony Hawk and the second Tony Hawk, like there's people that are just like on Twitter like, oh, Tony Hawk, my music, Do you did you have musical taste of your own or did it was it defined by Tony Hawk Pro Skater? You know, like, are, <laughs> they introduced people to, to a lot of music. And he showed up like that. in Europe to see a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater soundtrack cover band mm-hmm. play. He just showed up at the bar they were playing at. Yeah, the There's soundtracks of those games are a big deal. That only plays the songs from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So, and like I would, I mean, obviously I would rather have a game with a couple missing tracks than no game at all. Yeah, but like I get it. I understand I why they were pissed off because some of the songs may have been their favorites, or they yeah they landed their biggest combo they ever did to this yeah, song. Not, like playing school, you know, playing playing the school level doesn't feel the same if police trucks not there. Right. Or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, that's those soundtracks are great. Like I, they were right in my wheelhouse. I came out of that scene. So and, and knowing that music very well, they did a great job selecting like mm-hmm. the really seminal song. It was a big part of why it felt so authentic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it does matter. And look, you're talking to somebody who does spend a lot of his time playing video games without the background music because. We, I've said this a million times, but when we capture footage, we mm-hmm. take the background music out because when you go to edit that footage together, playing two songs at the same time, it's what's called a train wreck. So if you want to be able to cut with footage, you need to take the background music out of it. So I spend a lot of time playing games without the background music. And I will tell you, most of them sound dead without the background music. I, I'm just playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3 without the music, and literally there's like no other sound other than the swords. Like there's no ambient sound in the game at all. So if you turn off the music, it is like a dead experience. So I prefer to play with the music. I prefer if the music is dynamic, meaning that the game solos in instruments or takes them out as the action on the screen ramps up or settles down. A lot of games. One of the big reasons Nintendo went with cartridge. Exactly. Back in the day. Because they could use the MIDI sound system to solo stuff in mm, and out. Couldn't do that with CDs. Nope. Back then. It was like, this is a track and it just plays what's on the disc. So I do appreciate games that do that. And a lot of the best games, in my opinion, are the games that tell you that you finished a skirmish by the music dying out. So you need to kill 12 enemies. You may not need. You may not even know that you're supposed to kill the 12 enemies, but when you kill that 12th one, there's that audio cue where the audio just kind of cuts off and you're like, oh, I'm done. Like, and you can go to your menu and start leveling up and do your thing. Like, 
I think music is very important to games. Obviously, I'm a DJ. I love music so much. And so, yeah, to me, it's really, really important. Um, what was his question, though? Why do people want to hear the same 20 songs over and over again? I mean, do you have any nieces and nephews? Like, they <laughs> they will list, they will find a song that they like, and they will just listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, uh-huh. that's why Baby Shark has done, like, 80 billion views on YouTube. Like, kids love that stuff. And when I was a kid, if I found a song that I really liked, and, like, back then, like, I would have to record it off the TV. <laughs> There was a show called Solid Gold that yep. would like have the hottest pop songs from the week and the the artists would go on and perform them. And my sister and I would sit there by the TV with a tape recorder and record the songs off Solid Gold. Mm-hmm. Or we'd sit and listen to the radio and you'd have to wait for your favorite song to come on and then quickly hit the record button. Like that's the only way you could have mm-hmm. the song if you didn't if you couldn't afford to pay for it. There are songs to this day that like sound weird to me because when I hear them on like Spotify or iMusic or whatever, they don't end with the intro of a, another song right. that was that was the song <laughs> that came on after it on the radio on the version I taped onto my cassette. It, we we come from a whole different world from you guys. Like we're honestly very lucky, Matt, that we got to see all this. That we mm-hmm. started in that era where we had to record stuff on a. Cra- and by the way, a tape recorder was like this big and like that thing, mm-hmm. just to record sound on a cassette tape. Like we have a yeah, different I a, perspective I had from one of almost big, anyone. Like, you know, like ones that laid down and had like a, the speaker was just the top half of oh, it oh yeah yeah but it was my grandfather's and he had monogrammed it wow so it said edward d kyle in like <laughs> in like the black fuzz of yeah, speaker yeah. things on top it was very weird and but it had a i liked it because it had a little like they had a microphone but it was like a it was, it was like a cb radio looking thing so you uh-huh. flip the, the switch up on the side to record yeah and that's what i i figured out the exact uh, uh volume my tv could be at to turn it on and hold it against the speaker and record music off of things yeah. so that's how i recorded stuff off of that yeah, it was a different world, people. Yep. You guys take so you to, much stuff for granted. Otherwise, you had to go buy the whole album, right? Because it was you—they put out one single per yeah, album, barely. So they're big. If you hit, could find the, you single. could a 40, buy a forty-five of it. Yeah. But if you liked any other song, you had to buy the whole album. Mm-hmm. It's just—it was a different world, and I'm glad I came out up through it. Honestly, it gave me a perspective. Rigor mortis. Thank you for Twitch Prime, man. Twenty months. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Um. Let's see. Squishy Muffin. In anticipation for the new Harry Potter game, do you two have <laughs> any good memories is. of previous Harry Potter games? Not really. Um, the Game Boy Advance, uh, Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of both the first two Harry Potter games on Game Boy Advance are really good action RPGs. Like, way better than they should they be. They should be. <laughs> like, that's, that's, all, that's the only thing I can really remember from that. That, that and I... I was surprised when I played the original Chamber of Secrets game on Xbox or whatever that it was pronounced pumpkin pasty. Oh. <laughs> and not pumpkin yeah. like pasty or pumpkin. Past- Honestly, pastry. this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited for this game is that there, in my opinion, there hasn't been a really great Harry Potter game. So I'm. Fingers yeah, crossed that this great one ends up is being not a, a, a well. <laughs> Sorcerer's Stone on Game Boy Advance is almost great. Like those yeah. two games are really good. Yeah. But. For a Harry Potter game. Gohan says, I listen to songs I really like on repeat over and over again. A lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Texture Glitch, I'm totally with Matt. I, I had to digitize some of my old tapes. That is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Digitizing music sucks. Like, I have 2,000 vinyl records, and I am in the market right now to finally buy a DJ controller, which is basically 
two CD DJ decks built in with a mixer. It's one unit and it generally costs like a thousand dollars or whatever. And so now I'm the next thing I need to do, and I haven't bought it yet because I'm waffling or whatever. But in the process of getting ready for this new thing, I am trying to digitize all my vinyl records and it sucks. Like I've held on to this vinyl for literally since some of them, since like 93 or 94, some of the very first house records ever pressed. And I've held on to it all this time because I'm like, someday I'll need to digitize all this stuff. And what I found, Matt, is that I just gave up. I'm like, it is worth me paying a dollar to Beatport to get a digital version of the track that sounds better. And the other thing too that people don't realize is when you play records on a turntable, they're not digital perfect. Like even Technique 1200s, which are quartz driven, which are supposed to be exact, they're not. They will fluctuate the speed that they spin the records just a little bit. And if you're a DJ, that throws your mix out of whack because what you're doing as a DJ, and you may not realize this, is you're getting both records to play at the same exact BPM and you're letting the records beat together. Boom, 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 and they're playing at the same time together. If one of those records starts playing a little fast or playing a little slow, the mix goes off and you have what's called a train wreck where the beats start going, but they didn't, but they didn't, but they didn't. So anyway, when you digitize stuff off a record player, there are anomalies. It'll speed up a little bit, slow down a little bit. So even that digital file isn't great. So it's better to just spend the dollar, get the digital file straight off of their computer that it drives it exactly the BPM and it's never gonna go off. And like, I have all this vinyl now and I'm like, why did I ever buy this stuff? So digitizing music is a huge pain in the ass and I would argue just not worth it. Just spend a dollar for a WAV file. It's not worth all the work. Uh, okay, that's it. I think those are all the questions. We got through them all today, which is awesome. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday in some way, shape, or form. I'm not 100% sure exactly what that's gonna be yet. We may do like the last half of Keeley's thing and then go into a normal episode of Game Face. We'll figure it out. Just make sure that you're here at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern next Tuesday at twitch.tv slash siftedgames, and we'll have something for you. And I promise you, it should be good because I have some big games to talk about plus all the stuff from Gamescom. Um, what else? Oh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sifted if you wanna support us. That's where we get all our money. So if you want Game Face to keep going, head on over there. You can pledge whatever you want, a dollar, a bajillion dollars a month, whatever you want. Um, every dollar makes a difference for us. Our Patreon's small, so we notice when people come and go, we're not like a big gigantic one where you're just another cog in the machine or just another ant in the anthill. Um, so we appreciate anything you can do there. That's awesome. If you don't have any money, totally get it. I've been there. Um, you can help us out with uh, Twitch Prime as well. If you're an Amazon Prime customer, you can give us a free $2.50 every month. And the instructions to do that are down below if you're watching us on YouTube. Um, it's very easy. You have to hook it up, connect the accounts, and then every month you have to resubscribe. Uh, but it's easy to do. I probably make a bigger deal out of it than I should because it's not that difficult. As I've said in prior episodes, my mom, who's 70 years old does it, so it's very simple. Uh, but that's a way to give us free money. And if you can't do any of that stuff, you can always just share our show, you can like our show on YouTube, you can leave comments on our show on YouTube, any engagement makes a difference. You can review the show on any of the podcast services that we're on, and we're on all of them. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do to help us if you're into it, and that would be awesome. We'd really appreciate that. Um, but that's it for Game Phase 312. Matt, anything you wanna add before we go? Are you excited for Gamescom at all? Mm, not really. Yeah, me too. 
I'll see what they have to show. This year has beaten me down. Like, I'm just like, I just, at this point, my expectations are just zero. I'm like, I'm not going to expect anything, and hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised here. Ah, uh, welcome to my world. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Always keep the expectations at zero. Yeah. But anyway, thanks to everybody who showed up. As usual, our chat was awesome. Um, you guys are awesome. Name That Game was awesome. Uh, your Q&A at the end was incredible. We really appreciate you guys showing up for the live show. I don't think we would even do it live if we didn't have a great audience like you guys. We would just record it and fix all the problems in post and do it that way and make it a surprise for you guys. I do feel like that's something that miss, that's missing from Game Face that Invisible Walls had is that people didn't know what Invisible Walls was going to be until it appeared on game trailers. They didn't know what was going to be in the show, who was going to be on the show, or anything until that file was published. And now with the way things are, with streaming stuff and then archiving it later, I understand why things happen this way. I do think that shows lose a little bit of their luster in the current media landscape. But that's the landscape that we're living in, and we're doing the best that we can uh, within it. So thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out.